guys, it's Layla Cheek, and I just wanted to do another episode of Ample Cause, Our Justification. Thank you all for joining me today, and um, we don't have a Bible study tonight, so I won't be um, doing a Bible study with you, but I will just be doing um, uh, my journal, I guess, um, Hamlet Island, and just seeing what God has to say as um, he's been speaking <laughs> all day and always has um, much to say, and so... Uh, obviously, I have any correspondence with people, and there's a lot of things that are going on behind my back, and a lot of things that are going on uh, unjustly without me having any uh, way to know or to testify or to uh, defend myself. And so, God has to uh, pretty much um, tell me um, what's going on and how to um, to mediate that. So, um, with that, you know. Um, when the priest Pashur, son of Immer, the officials in charge of the temple of the Lord, heard Jeremiah prophesying these things, he had Jeremiah the prophet beaten and put in stocks at the upper gate of Benjamin at the Lord's temple. The next day, when Pashur released him from the stocks, Jeremiah said to him, The Lord's name for you is not Pashur, but terror on every side. For this is what the Lord says, I'll make you a terror to yourself and to all your friends with you. With your own eyes, you will see them fall by the sword of their enemies. I'll give all Judah into the hands of the king of Babylon, who will carry them away to Babylon, or put them to the sword. I'll deliver all your wealth of this city uh, into the hands of their enemies and all its products, all its valuables, all its treasures of the kings of Judah. They will take it away as plunder and carry it off to Babylon. And you and Pashur and all who live in your house will go into exile to Babylon. There you'll die and be buried, you and all your friends, to whom you prophesied lies. So this uh, friends was very emphasized there or something, and um, there must be some lies over who's friends with who and, and why, which um, I think has always been uh, kind of the scandal going on here. So, but God turned away from them. You know, uh, Israel has this ancestry of... Um, idolatry and adultery and um god tells them you know in, in acts but our ancestors refute or paul tells them um in acts that our ancestors our ancestors refused to obey them instead they rejected him and in their hearts turned back to egypt and they told aaron make us gods who will go before us and as for this fellow moses who led us out of egypt we don't know what he has what has happened to him that was the time they made an idol in the form of a calf. A golden statue idol in the shape of a cow. And they started worshiping it. And they brought sacrifices to it and revealed, uh, reveled in what their own hands had made. But God turned away from them and gave them over to worship of the sun, the moon, and the stars. This agrees with what is written in the book of the prophets. Did you bring me sacrifices and offerings 40 years in the wilderness, people of Israel? You have taken up the tabernacle of Moloch and the star of your god, Rephan, the idols you made to worship. Therefore, I'll send you into exile beyond Babylon. So our star uh, 
uh, actor here evidently is uh, really um, must be uh, persuading them into all kinds of uh, scandals and all kinds of lies, and they must be worshiping him and his idol, his calf idol he made, as if that's holy or biblical or even godly in, in any way or shape. And you know, uh, especially from atheists or some of this uh, godless, you know, I'm not sure how uh, they could do such godlessness, but it never ceases and never stops. So do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault are in a warped warped and crooked generation. Then you'll shine among them like stars in the sky. As you hold firmly to the word of life, and then I'll be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run in labor or in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and serving, uh, on the sacrifice and serving service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. So this guy has just a bunch of lies here about you behind your back, evidently, and um, you have been uh, a sacrificial offering uh, just poured out, evidently, all day long, and. Um, you know, God promises that those who are uh, children of God and, and righteous will shine like stars um, among even the, the crooked and warped generation. And so, you know, while we may appear to have failed the test, uh, we know we passed. And appearances sometimes are deceiving and deceitful. And it seems like, you know, sometimes it's better off to just lie and fake it till, till we make it because it seems like that's what um, the church is doing and their uh, new friends and uh, godless uh, encounters are doing and we're like for what? what what's your goal what, what's your outcome in this what what's your purpose in this why like what what's the formula here for for what this is how you play church but evidently they have uh, way too much fun in doing it jeremiah buys a field well that explains it a little bit better doesn't it this is what the, uh, the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the 10th year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, which was the 18th year of Nebuchadnezzar. The army of the king of Babylon was then besieging Jerusalem, and Jeremiah the prophet was confined in the courtyard of the guard in a royal palace of Judah, all because Stanley just told lies, and no one cross-checked his lies. No one cross-examines man. At a word, he makes a man out to be a offender. And he tells people he's a high priest, and he tells people that, that you're some terrorist, and, and no one, no one, you know, says to prove it. We, we need facts. Uh, 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 really? How do you know? No. What? What? How do you? What? That's preposterous. No. They're like, oh, Stanley pulled this out of his butt again, and this must be true. And no, and, and he'll lie to a king, he'll lie to an official, he'll lie in court. He doesn't care who he lies to. He'll make it up as far as he can go with it, and doesn't care. And uh, essentially, that's why I'm here uh, in this position I am, because this man uh, can't be accountable for his own actions and thinks uh, a Gentile is of lesser blood than his pretty prestigious white blood. And so I have to pay for his crimes and his criminal activity against me, because uh, by golly, my mixed Gentile blood is less of worth than his all white American heritage. And I'm an American citizen, but he just thinks uh, he's uh, a Jew. He's Anglo, but according to him, he's uh, more uh, privileged and pref- uh, preferred, and uh, his blood is uh, untouchable. <laughs> 
and I'm supposed to die for the crimes he's done to me because, by golly, this uh, 65-year-old man can't be accountable for his own actions and hasn't learned to repent yet. Anyways, um, now Zedekiah, king of Judah, has imprisoned them here, saying, Why do you prophesy as you do? You say this is what the Lord says. I'm about to give the city into the hands of the king of Babylon. He'll capture it. Zedekiah, the king of Judah, will not escape the Babylonians, but will certainly be given into their hands of the king of Babylon. And will speak with him face to face and see him with his own eyes. He'll take Zedekiah to Babylon, where he'll remain uh, until I deal with him, declares the Lord. If you fight against the Babylonians, you will not succeed. Jeremiah said, The word of the Lord came to me. Hamiel, son of Shalom, your uncle, is going to come to you and say, Buy a field at Anatoth, because the nearest relative, uh, relative uh, as a nearest relative, it is the right and duty to buy it. Jeremiah said, um, Oops, then just as the Lord has said, my cousin Hamiel came to me in the courtyard of the guard and said, Buy my field at Anatoth in the territory of Benjamin. Since it's your right to redeem it and possess it, buy it for yourself. I knew this was the word of the Lord. So I bought the field in Anatoth from my cousin Hamiel, weighed it out from him, uh, for him 17 shekels of silver. I signed and sealed the deed. I had it witnessed, weighed out the silver on the scales. I took the deed of purchase, sealed the copy containing the terms and conditions, as well as the unsealed copy. And I gave the deed to Barak, the son of Neriah, the son of Messiah, Messiah, and in the presence of my cousin Hamael and all the witnesses who had signed the deed, and all the Jews sitting in the courtyard of the guard. In their presence, I gave Barak these instructions. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Take these documents, both the sealed and the unsealed copies of the deeds of the purchase. Put them in a clay jar so that they'll last in time. First, what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says, Houses, fields, vineyards will again be bought in this land. After I had given the deed of purchase to Berg, the son of Neriah, I prayed to the Lord. So we see, we remember this uh, great event that um, happened in the presence of many witnesses, um, the signed uh, deed and the sealed uh, deed and how um, he traded it. And... Um,
Okay, so we remember that event that happened. It was a memorable um, event, and we also know um, the scene that happened with the, the logs and uh, John MacArthur and John MacArthur's involvement and how we knew it was the word of the Lord, and we knew uh, God had commanded us, and we acted upon it um, by faith, and um, boy, <laughs> did it save us. So uh, there was no doubt um, who it was and what was um, being, being said there. I don't know if y'all remember, but we had this uh, uh, church study um, at Eastview, and it was called Jesus Speaks, and he wrote a book um, with J.K., and J.K. Jones, and it was about uh, Jesus speaking. Well, that was because Jesus was speaking. That was 2016, y'all, um, when this happened, and my wife was hacked, and uh, Jesus was, was speaking. So, um, you know, there's a lot of evidence out there of um, the unfolding of events. Suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in after the sheep, uh, will he he say to the servant after he comes in from the field, come along now, sit down and eat? Will he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink, and after that you may eat and drink? Well, will he thank the, the servant because he did what he was told to do. So you also, uh, when you have done everything you were told to do, you should say, we are unworthy servants. We've only done our duty. And that kind of um, sums up <laughs> the relationship here. The elder, second John. The elder, to the lady chosen by God, and to her children, whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever. Grace and mercy and peace from God the Father, from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, will be with us in truth and love. So, John MacArthur testified previously. I'm not sure um, what happened now, but... It has been giving me great joy to find some of our, your children walking in the truth. Just as the Father commanded us. And now, dear lady, I'm not, write, I'm not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands, as you have heard from the beginning. His command is that you walk in love. And I think John MacArthur has uh, testified that... Um, Obviously, a most established Christian, and um, obviously, um, Biden has been trying to harbor that and um, um, bind that up because uh, they want to paint me out to be a rebel when um, I'm an established Christian and being persecuted because I'm that established. Right? You don't persecute a, a wild thing. You don't persecute a, um, a rebel in the church, right? No, you persecute an established Christian. So, I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming to the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the, the deceiver and the Antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what you have worked for, but that you may win a full reward. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son teaching Christ. 
So I never sat in the company of revelers, never made merry with them. I sat alone, because your hand was on me and you had filled me with indignation. Why is my pain unending and my wound grievous and incurable? Terminal. Uh, You are to me like a deceptive brook, like a spring that fails. Therefore, this is what the Lord says, If you repent, I'll restore you, that you may serve me. If you utter worthy, not worthless, worthless brooks that, that, that fail, like cisterns that can't hold water, right? They were, unwor- they were uh, worthless. Um, your cash cow was worthless, I believe, was his tweet. And they were like weird grapes or something. He, he called them salt, saltless, saltless grapes. Um, so it's uh, a deceptive brook. But God said, uh, if you utter was worthy, not worthless words, you'll be my spokes- spokesman. Let this people turn to you, but you must not turn to them. I'll make you a wall to this people, a fortified wall of bronze. They will fight against you, but they will not overcome you. For I am with you, and I'll rescue you. I'll save you from the hands of the wicked, and deliver you from the grasp of the cruel. So, it kind of goes like this. Ammon said, I'm in love with Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. Go to bed and pretend to be ill. Jonadab said, when your father comes to see you, uh, say to him, I would like my sister Tamar to come and give me something to eat. Let her prepare food in my sight so I may watch her and then eat from her hand. This is where it all went uh, cruel and downhill. Uh, David went, sent word to Tamar at the palace, Go to the house of your brother Ammon and prepare some food for him. So Tamar went to the house of her brother Ammon, who was lying down. She took some dough, kneaded it, made the bread in his sight, and baked it. Then she took the pan and served him the bread, and he refused to eat. Send everyone out of here, Ammon said. So everyone left him. Then Ammon said to Tamar, Bring the food here to my bedroom, that I may eat from your hand. Tamar took the bread she had prepared and brought it to her brother Ammon in his bedroom. But when she took it to him to eat, he grabbed her and said, Come to bed with me, my sister. No, my brother, she said to him, Don't force me. Such a thing should not be done in Israel. Don't do this wicked thing. And what about me? Where can I get rid of my disgrace? And what about you? You would be like one of the wicked fools in Israel. Please speak to the king. He will not keep me from being married to you. But if he refused, but he refused to listen to her, and since he was stronger than she, he raped her. Then Ammon hated her with intense hatred. In fact, he hated her more than he had loved her. Ammon said to her, "Get up, get out." No, she said to him, "Sending me away would be greater wrong than what you have already done to me." But he refused to listen to her, and he called his personal servant and said, Get this woman out of my sight and bolt the door after her. So his servant put her out and bolted the door after her, and she was wearing an ornate robe, for this was the kind of garment the virgin daughters of the king wore. Tamar put ashes on her head, tore the ornate robe she was wearing. She put her hands on her head and went away, weeping aloud as she went. Her brother Absalom said to her, has Ammon, your brother, been with you? Be quiet for now, my sister. He's your brother. Don't take this thing to heart. And Tamar lived in her brother Absalom's house, a desolate woman. Then King David heard all this and was furious. 
and absence that an absence that never said a word to Ammon, either good or bad. He hated Ammon because he had disgraced his sister Tamar. So that was <laughs> where it all um, went awry and how um, I became a rebel to the <laughs> to the nation evidently. So I'll take away their harvest. There'll be no grapes on the vines, no figs on the tree, no leaves will wither. And what I have given them will be taken from them. Why are you sitting here? Gather together. Let us flee to the fortified cities and perish there. For the Lord our God had doomed us to perish and given us poison water to drink. Because we have sinned against him. We hope for peace, but there no good has come. For a time of healing, but there is only terror. The snorting of the enemy's horses is heard from Dan. At the name of their stallions, the whole land trembles. They have come to devour the land and everything in it, the city and all who live there. See, I'll send you venomous snakes among you, vipers that can't be charmed. And they will bite you, declares the Lord. You who are my comforter in sorrow, my heart is faint within me. Listen to the cry of my people from a land far away. Is the Lord not in Zion? Is her king no longer there? Why have they aroused my anger with their images, with their worthless foreign idols? The harvest is past and the summer has ended, and we are not saved. Since my people are crushed, I'm crushed. I mourn, and horror grips me. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is there no healing for the wound of my people? Oh, that my head were a spring of water and my eyes a fountain of tears. I weep day and night. So we just see how, um, let me fix this real quick. see that there is no balm in Gilead, no, no cure for this, um, this pain and this um, grievance and how um, everything's been devoured and um, the worship of their worthless idols, we see how they have been crushed beyond uh, healing. The Lord's case against Israel. Listen to what the Lord says. Stand up, plead my case before the mountains. Let the hills hear what you have to say. Hear, you mountains, the Lord's accusation. Listen, you everlasting foundations of the earth. For the Lord has a case against the people. He is lodging a charge against Israel. My people, what have I done to you? How have I burdened you? Answer me. I brought you up out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent Moses to lead you and also Aaron and Miriam. My people, remember what Balaam king of Moab plotted and what Balaam son of Bear answered? Remember your journey from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord? Within, with what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, calves a year old? With the Lord, will the Lord be pleased with a thousand rams, ten thousand rivers of olive oil? 
Should I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body, for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. That's what he requires of you, not your burnt offerings and your sacrifices and your uh, offerings. So, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley will be filled, every mountain hill made low, the crooked roads will become straight, and the rough way smooth. All the people will see God's salvation. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit and keep him with repentance. And do not begin to say for yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, Oh, these stones God can raise up children for Abraham. And the axe is already at the root of the trees. And every tree that does not produce fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. And so, um... That's kind of uh, the original context of the plan words with that. Uh, God can raise up uh, children for Abraham from these stones. And, um... Even and Ben, you know, is stone and, and, and son. So we see God's uh, wit in that and how he, um, you know, can raise up children from anything to uh, know him. So that night, may thick darkness seize it, may it not be included among the days of the year, nor be entered in any months. May the night be barren and no shout of joy be heard. Uh, may those who curse days curse that day those who are ready to be roused to rouse leviate them. May its morning stars become dark, may it wait for daylight in vain, and not see the first ray of dawn. For it did not shut the doors of the womb on me and hide trouble from my eyes. Might I not perish at birth and die as I came from my womb, from the womb? Why were the need, why were there needs to receive me and birth that I might nurse be nursed? For now I'd be lying down in peace, and I'd be asleep and at rest with kings and rulers of the earth, who built themselves places, places now lying in ruins, with princes who had gold, who filled their houses with silver. Why was I not hidden away in the ground like a stillborn child, like an infant who never saw the light of day? There the wicked cease from turmoil, the weary are at rest, captives enjoy their ease. I no longer hear the slave drivers shout. The small and the great are there. The slaves are freed from their owners. Why is light given to those in misery and life to the bitter of soul? To those who long for death that does not come, who search for it more than hidden treasure, who are filled with gladness and rejoice when they reach the grave. Why is life given to a man whose way is hidden, whom God has hedged in? For sign has become my daily food, my groans pour out like water. What I feared has come upon me. What I have dreaded has happened to me. I have no peace, no quietness, I have no rest, but only turmoil. So, 
The man who is lord over the land spoke harshly to us and treated us as though we were spying on the land. But we said to him, We are honest men. We are not spies. We are twelve brothers, sons of the father. One is no more than youngest is with us, uh, with our father in Canaan. Then the man who is lord over the land said to us, This is how I'll know whether you are honest men. Leave one of your brothers here with me and take food for your starving households and go. But bring your youngest brother to me, so I'll know that you are not, you are not spies, but honest men. Then I'll give your brother back to you, and you can trade in the land. As they are emptying their sacks, they are in each man's sack with a pouch of silver. Why then, uh, when they and their father saw the money pouches, they were frightened. Their father Jacob said to them, You've deprived me of my children. Joseph is no more, and Simeon is no more, and now you want to take Benjamin? Everything is against me. Then Reuben said to the father, to the father, You may put both of my sons to death if I do not bring him back to you. Entrust him to my care, and I'll bring him back. But Jacob said, My son will not go down there with you. His brother is dead, and he is the only one left. If harm comes to him on his journey you are taking, you will bring my gray hair down to the grave in sorrow. So, um, that could be a couple things, I'm not sure. Uh, I know, I got that verse this morning, and it sounds like these guys have um, lied about not being spies here, lied about not trespassing, lied about not breaking and entering, lied about everything, and don't have a lick of proof um, for any of it, and don't have a lick of proof for any of their you know, their defense <laughs> and don't have um, a single proof of anything they claim where I have uh, a lot of proof of all the accusations and, you know, ultimately we got, since 2016, and there was a summit in 2016, uh, if Gentiles can be in the church. And so, um, with minutes to that summit. So, you know, just time alone, um, <laughs> testifies in itself about what this is and what it isn't, you know, 2016, she, that's before even Joe Biden was around, and, um, 2016 is, um, you know, my, my oldest was in second grade, my youngest was like three and a half, four, preschool, like that's half of my marriage, you've been living with me, my bigger, like, half of, half of my marriage, you've just been chiming in. And, and you have no repentance and no no remorse for anything. So, um, in the second year, Pekah, son of Remaliah, king of Israel, Jotham, son of Uzziah, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 16 years. His mother's name was Jer- Jerusha, daughter of Zadok. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father Uzziah had done. The high places, however, were not removed. The people continued to offer sacrifices and burnt incense there. Jotham rebuilt the upper gate to the temple of the Lord. As for the other events of Jotham's reign and what he did, are they not written in the book of the annals of the king of Judah? In those days, the Lord began to send rising king of Aram and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, against Judah. Jotham rested with his ancestors and was buried with them in the city of David, the city of his father, and he has his son succeeded him as king. We do have a book, by the way. And I have a book um, proposal out. And, um, it, it pretty much is um, an orderly account of these events and all of this that is still going on. It's my, um, my devotional. So I'll put my hook in your nose and my bit in your mouth, and I'll make you return the way that you came. This will be the sign for you, Hezekiah. 
This year, you'll eat uh, what grows by itself. The second year, what springs up from that. But in the third year, sow and reap. Plant vineyards and eat their fruit. Once more, a remnant of the kingdom of Judah will take root below and bear fruit above. For out of Jerusalem will come a remnant, and out of Mount Zion, a band of survivors. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Therefore, is what the Lord says concerning the king of Assyria. He'll not enter the city or shoot an arrow here. He'll not come before it with shield or a siege lamp. here I'm just um, doing this live with video stream so I have to won't come here with a shield or build a siege ramp against it. Uh, by the way that he came, he'll return and he'll not enter the city. I'll defend the city and save it for my sake and for the sake of David, my servant. Then the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 Assyrian camps in the Assyrian camp. When people got up the next morning, there were all the dead bodies. So, let's... Uh, Hope God upholds the the righteous cause. Just like I don't know how um, the moral threat of society could just be so um, so decayed and, and collapsed, and so um, you know, even if we get away with our what we do in in, in secret, it's like you know, if you don't have um, integrity in secret, you don't have integrity at all. And it's like my life is an open book, and. Uh, these guys still can't, you know, find anything wrong. It's just like, just imagine if we watch one of these priests for a day. Can you imagine, like, how much we can call them out on? So, in the second day, call to build a house for the Lord. In the second year, the king of Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word Lord came through the prophet Haggai, the Rubabel, son of Shetel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest. By the way, I should mention, I'm not on staff at a church. I'm not in seminary. I'm not, um, you know, trying out for a, a mission cause. And, you know, I have no, um, I was just, uh, I was three years ago, an attendant at this church, a congregate in, in the pew. Never met the preacher. So I, I'm not like, you know, getting paid for this. I'm not like on staff. I'm not, you know, in seminary. I'm not trying to be uh, a preacher. I'm not trying out to be a nun. I was just showing the church in a pew. And just imagine, you know, not only watching a preacher in his private home, but imagine, like, going through his brain. Like, that guy would be worthy of the death penalty. So that's what the Lord Almighty says. These people say that the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains in ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much and harvested little. You eat but never have enough. You drink but never have your fill. You put on clothes but you are not warm. 
You earn wages, but only put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring down timber and build my house. That may take pleasure in it and be honored to the Lord God. You expected much, but you see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why? declares the Lord. Because of my house, which remains a room, while you, each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew, in the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains and the green and the new wine and the olive oil and everything else, and the ground produces on people and livestock and all the, la- all the labor of your hands. So, um, we were just speaking of, uh, you know, the moral decay of our society, and I actually have a, write, a writing piece on this. Um, if you can find it, I know a lot of my stuff is, uh, harbored and, and concealed and concealed, um, but, um, on Trillo. And, um, if you go to amplecause.com, my website, you can find a link there too, and it talks about this, um, verse and how it's important to have, um, social equity, um, as well as society and, like, you know, uh, if we all just take care of our own, um, homes and our own, um, ways and our own, uh, private, um, flourishing, uh, we see that society is not necessarily um, built up, and um, you know God is essentially telling him here, like, hey, you each are busy, you know, with your own house and your own, um, your own uh, riches and your own um, blessing, and you haven't built my house and you haven't put a, a single thought into um, my house and to give back to uh, society or give back uh, the blessing and. Um, why, why has everything you earned then been blown away? And why has everything you've, um, you know, saved as if you put, put it in a purse with holes, you know? So we just see how um, there is some, uh, some equity to be, um, you know, diverged out of uh, uh, contributing to society and the moral um, compass of society and uh, building it up and not, not tearing it down. So John's disciples followed Jesus. The next day, there was again with two. John was there again with two of his disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, "Look, the Lamb of God." When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, "What do you want?" They said, "Rabbi," which means teacher. Where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you'll see. So they went and saw where he was staying. This is how it started. This is how they addressed me. And they spent the night there with him, and it was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, St. Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We found the Messiah, that's the Christ. And they brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John, you will be called Cephas, which, which when translated is Peter. So I don't know if you guys remember, but uh, I used to be referred to um, by the former as a teacher. Teacher, right? And um, this is uh, very much a part of um, what what we're about here and um you know they wanted to know where uh, the teacher was was staying and um 
obviously, uh, we can see how this uh, transpired, and Jesus said, well, if you follow me, you'll see. Come here, but it's not necessarily follow me, but come and you'll see. <clears throat> it was about four in the afternoon, and they saw where he was staying, and they lodged there. And, um, and, uh, spent, spent the day with him. And then they went and told the brother, and brought some more, and brought more and more and more. <laughs> so, fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Many seek an audience with the ruler, but it's from the Lord that one gets justice. The righteous detest the dishonest, and the wicked detest the upright. Well, you know, um... Fear man it does prove to be a snare. We must fear God because, you know, if we fear man, it's usually um, what gives us to bind it up. And, you know, a lot of people will do seek a, an audience with a ruler, and many people want, uh, you know, the, the ruler's favor, but ultimately, um, God is one that gives you justice. And the righteous just don't like him. Uh, they detest the honest, and the wicked detest the upright. So the southern side began at the outskirts of Kiriath Jerim on the west, and the boundary came at the spring of the waters of Neftua. The boundary then went down to the foot of the hill facing the valley of Ben Himen, north of the valley of Rephaim. It continued down the Hinnom Valley along the southern slope of the Jebusite city, and so to Enrangol. It then curved north, went to the en- went to Enchemeth. Shemesh, continued to Gililoth, which faces the pass of Adumim, ran down the stone of Bohan, son of Reuben. It continued to the northern slope of Beth, Arba, and on down from the Reba. It then went to the northern slope of Beth Hogla, came out of the northern bay at the Dead Sea, at the mouth of, Jordan, of the Jordan in the south, this was the southern boundary. The Jordan formed the boundary on the eastern side, and there were boundaries that marked out the inheritance of the clans of Benjamin on all sides. The tribe Benjamin, according to his clan, had the following towns Jericho, Beth, Hogla, Emek, Kisses, Beth, Areba, Zemarim, Bethel, Avim, Para, Ophrah, Kephar, Ammonai, Ophni, Jeba. 12 towns, other villages. So we just see, um, well, <laughs> the history of this and how it went and where the, the boundaries were and um, how they marked out their own boundaries all over. So when my heart was grieved and my spirit was embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was brute, a brute beast before you. Yet I'm always with you. You uphold me, me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterwards, you'll take me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart, my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish, and you destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God, for I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge, not tell of your deeds. 
So, it sounds like this guy um, has <laughs> killed me, and uh, my only hope is to slowly ease my way to glory. Great. And I saw a hole in the wall. Like a harpoon hole. And he said to me, son of man, now dig into the wall. So I dug into the wall, and I saw a doorway there. And he said to me, go in and see the wicked and detestable things that they are doing there. So I went in and looked, and I saw portrayed all over the walls, all kinds of crawling things, unclean animals, and the idols of Israel. In front of them stood 70 elders of Israel. Jezaniah, the son of Shaphan, was standing among them. Each had a censer in his hand, and a fragrant cloud of incense was rising. He said to me, Son of man, have you seen what the elders of Israel are doing? Um, in the darkness? Uh, each of them has a shrine of his own idol. They say, The Lord doesn't see us. The Lord has forsaken the land. Again, he said, You will see them doing things even more detestable. Then he brought me to the entrance of the north gate of the house of the Lord. I saw a woman sitting there mourning for the God of Tammuz. He said to me, do you see this, son of man? You will see things even more detestable than this. Then he brought me into the inner core of the house of the Lord. There at the entrance of the temple between the portico and the altar and about 20, were about 25 men with their backs towards the temple of the Lord and their faces toward the east. And they are bowing down to the sun in the east. He said to me, Have you seen this, son of man? Is it a trivial manner for the people of Judah to do this detestable thing they are doing here? Must they also fill the land with violence and continually arouse my anger? Look at them, putting the branch to their nose. Therefore, I will deal with them in anger. I will not look on them with pity or spare them. Although they shout in my ears, I will not listen to them. So it sounds like they have completely defiled the temple and completely just disregard God. Worshipped all kinds of idols in all kinds of uh, adulterous ways. So they're looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, and they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. Jesus knew what they were thinking and said to the man with the shriveled hand, <clears throat> Get up! Stand in front of everyone. So he got up, and, got up and stood there. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? He looked around at them all and then said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he did so. And the hand was completely restored. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were furious. And they began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. <laughs> it's like, why are they here? Just me and their target, haven't they? Well, there's two kinds of wisdom, guys. Um, one is wise and understanding. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. 
But if you harbor bitter envy, selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it and deny the truth. Such wisdom doesn't come down from heaven, but is earthly, is unspiritual, is demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So, I'll... uh, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful servants. Truly I'm your servant, Lord. I serve you just as my mother did. You have freed me from my chains. I will sacrifice a thank offering to you and call on your name, the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of the people in the courts of the house of the Lord. In the midst of Jerusalem, praise the Lord. So this guy, you know, he has been uh, living an adulterous uh, life with me for eight years. Uh, violated my marriage by behind my husband's back, committed all kinds of adultery, and he's a priest, a teacher, right? And um, and did you know uh, sexual assaulting things, uh, which I'll spare you the details, but legit uh, beyond adultery, and uh, couldn't admit that he did this to a Gentile and him being a Jew, and so has completely smeared my name and smeared me as being the adulterous one because he thinks that I should be marred for the things he's done to me because he thinks he, he is a, a, a better better blood than me. And this man has gone to great, great lengths to disgrace me and to defame my name and, and great lengths of setting this up like he goes through the, your brain and finds like pictures and then tries to like be like this picture of your brain means this and I'm going to use this picture of your brain and pretend it means like that because I, I'm, I'm God and has literally uh, set up great great stories to try and justify why he's in my house uh, exploiting women and kids for eight years now you tell me, how is a preacher allowed to do that, and why has he um, targeted me and defamed me and disgraced my name for things he's done to me? I didn't. Uh, I didn't go on. I didn't betray my vows. I didn't, you know, commit adultery. I didn't have any um, sexual immorality. This man has made that up about me because he has done that. And uh, he knows he can't um, go to the tabloids because I, I was a nobody. And he was scared I was going to take him to the tabloids. So instead, he ran to Donald Trump and got Donald Trump to make a big smear campaign of a nobody, create a market of a nobody, and uh, defame my name so his precious little tail uh, wouldn't get caught as he's still lurking in my house. And lost his land for it. And got fined for it and arrested for it. <laughs> and we're like... Uh, you can, you know, use media to spread people all you want, but at the end of the day, your hands are still full of blood, and, and God's seen what you've done. Your acts uh, tell him what you've done, and uh, you can smear your victim all you want because, I mean, that's usually what you powerful men do. That's why we have the YouTube movements that, you know, you suppress my voice on all social media and all media platforms, and, you know, if we look at the history of some of these men and their, um, you know, relation to the Epstein Island, uh, case and you know that just goes to show like okay 
we don't even know the full story of the Epstein Island because these men are powerful and the people involved in that were powerful. But just imagine these girls probably weren't even, um, you know, scandalous girls. They probably smeared them to be that way just to, you know, make them not look so bad. These probably were like innocent little five-year-olds for all we know. And they probably got smeared, because that's what they did to my kids. And they probably got smeared to be like, oh, no, these are like, you know, 20-year-old college kids that have a history of, of promiscuity and, and, and homelessness and da-da-da, you know, and they came to this island, blah, blah, blah. Like, there are probably five-year-olds innocent that these men took and just, you know, had the time of their life with. And 20 years later, probably, by the grace of God, you know, someone made it away alive. We don't know, you know, half of the story. So, um, you know, I, from what I've seen in this, it wouldn't surprise me. Because, look, what they smeared about me and my kids behind my back. And my kids are, are young minors. And they're acting like my kids murdered people and, you know, made up all kinds of court cases. Killing court cases. With real judges in our U.S. court system, y'all. To make up these lies. And, and, and no one cares about the morale. No one cares about the courts, no one cares about the justice system, no one cares about the real people involved, no one, no one cares because as long as we cover our deeds and the powerful people in the media the people that have a voice are covered then we're good because at the end of the day, you know, it boils down to our reputation and our investments so just imagine, you know a lot of stuff we hear in these uh, cases are probably not even really the whole case I know from experience <laughs> And I, I can't even get a word up. This will probably be suppressed, and they probably won't let it get out. There's probably only three people listening to it right now who are the perpetrators. That's what they do. So as they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone you have seen what you have seen until the sin man has been raised from the dead. And the disciples asked him, Why then do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? And Jesus replied, To, to be sure Elijah uh, comes and will restore all things, I tell you, Elijah had already come, and they did not recognize him, but they had done to him everything they wished. In the same way, the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. And then the disciples understood that he was talking to them about John the Baptist. Well, I'll just wrap up real quick. I'm running out of time. Um, I think the main point there is that they did to him anything they wish, and that was pretty much, you know, um, the case is, is, we know, we got this, uh, dead carcass, and let's just do whatever we want. So, what misery is mine? I'm like one who gathers summer fruit at the gleaning of the vineyard. There's no cluster of grapes to eat, none of the early figs that I crave. The faithful have been swept away from the land. Not one upright person remains. Everyone lies in wait to shed blood. They hunt each other with nets. Both the hands are, are skilled in doing evil. The ruler demands gifts. The judge accepts bribes. The powerful dictate what they desire. They all conspire together. Uh, the best of them is like a briar. The most upright Worse than a thorn hedge. The day God visits you has come. The day your watchmen sound the alarm. Now's the time of your confusion. Do not trust a neighbor. Put no confidence in a friend. Even with the woman who lies in your embrace, guard the words of your lips. For a son dishonors his father. A daughter rises up against her mother. A daughter-in-law 
law against her mother-in-law, a man's enemies, and the members of his own household. But as for me, I watch and hope in the Lord. I wait for God, my Savior. My God will hear me. Well, that just kind of shows that, you know, social order even is important. You know, you know some social order and uh, relationships of, you know, um, our natural relationships of uh, family and friends. And even that has gone awry. They all rely on empty arguments. They utter lies. They conceive trouble and give birth to evil. They hatch the eggs of vipers. They spin the spider's web. Whoever eats their eggs will die, and when once broken, the adder is hatched. The cobwebs are useless for clothing. Can't cover themselves with what they make. Their deeds are evil, their acts are violence in their hands, and their feet rush into sin. The swift to shed innocent blood. They pursue evil schemes. The acts of violence marks their way. In the way of peace, they didn't know. There's no injustice in their path. They've turned to crooked roads. No one walks with them. So it's not like they're scheming on how to plot something again now. And, you know, they're whispering on how they're going to set me up again. And how they're going to trap me. And how they're going to offer more bribes to judges. And try and condemn me so they can exploit you and murder you and kill you. And use uh, violence and exploitation to harm you, their victim, as they all gang up against you. We'll hear about it tomorrow. Why? Because this demon who had gone into him begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. And the Lord heard heard of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And the demons begged Jesus, let us go into the pigs. And he gave them permission. And when the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs. This is a uh, witch hunt, you know, our, our swamp and swine. Let's go, let me go into the pigs. Let me go into the pigs. So he let them. He gave them permission. And when the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When those tending the pigs saw that what had happened, they ran off and reported this to the town and the countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man whom the demons had gone out sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed in in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it told how the demon-possessed man had been cured, and all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them, because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with Jesus, begged to go with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return home. Tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over the town how much Jesus had done for him. So I was just reading the, the parable about how, or the, the story about how uh, the demon-possessed man begged Jesus to go into the pigs, begged him to enter the pigs, and Jesus um, allowed him, and the pigs rushed into the steep bank and drowned, and um, the demon-possessed man um, was there, sitting in his right mind, and um, all the, the townspeople um, 
all the people went off and told the townspeople and they couldn't believe what had happened and you know they asked Jesus to leave the region because they were overcome overwhelmed and um, the demon possessed man begged Jesus to go with him wanted to go home with Jesus and he said or wanted to go with Jesus and he said why don't you go home and, and tell all the things that God has done for you and so he did he was from Decapolis by the way so um we have a couple of sayings of Augur just a couple of wisdom notes to pray to end in here it just kind of uh sounds like they're busy plotting my demise again so <laughs> you know make sure we're on good notes here um Do not slander a servant to their master, or they'll curse you, and you'll pay for it. There are those who curse their fathers and do not bless their mothers. Those who are pure in their own eyes, yet they're not cleansed, or they're filled. Those whose eyes are ever so haughty, whose glances are so disdainful. Those whose teeth are sores and whose jaws are set with knives. To devour the poor from the earth, the needy from man- among mankind. The leech has two daughters. Give and give, they cry. Hey guys, Layla Cheek. Good morning. And I just wanted to uh, share a couple of thoughts as, you know, they're always plotting uh, a change in a new kingdom and a new uh, owner of the house. And, you know, it seems like as soon as they blow the trumpet, they want to establish a new owner, a new king. But... Um, God was saying otherwise, and obviously, you know, God's been speaking th- through scripture. This has gone on for eight years. 2016, uh, my Wi-Fi has been hacked by my church, at Eastview Christian Church, and Mike Baker um, and his IT staff, and that was uh, October 14th, 2016. I have the exact date, and, um, you know, it, it's a historical fact. A landmark, a date, uh, people, witnesses, you know, of this event. And, you know, there was a summit over this division in the church when he found out my race and my ethnicity uh, because there was an internal division over uh, can people of a Muslim background go to church or not? And uh, they were so ignorant in their faith and so ignorant in the gospel and so ignorant in the realities of Christianity that they really had to have a summit over this. And the summit uh, has minutes. It's documented. It's a piece of historic fact. Joe Biden can't seal it and, and can't seal it and hide it. And uh, they deemed, uh, yes, Gentiles are Muslims can, Muslim converts to Christianity can go to church just like everyone else. And that they were given uh, the Holy Spirit uh, just like everyone else. So they were um, then uh, deemed, uh, yes, you can be a Christian if you come from a Muslim background. You're not accursed. Uh, you can become a Christian. <laughs> that's, how, that's how fundamental they are. Uh, and they literally had to have a summit over this. And um, it's documented. The summit was in 2016. And then Andy Stanley came in 2018 and 2019. He wrote an article for Christianity Today and the Christian Post. And it was uh, mix and match. And essentially he was trying to help Mike Baker and his uh, staff in their eternal division uh, with this uh, race problem. And, uh, essentially, uh, and, and I didn't, you know, tell anyone I caused a problem. I had a friend over, uh, from church and she had kids my age and we were friends for a while. And she asked me what my ethnicity was in my home, uh, as our kids were playing. She's like, where are you from? Or what's your nationality? And I told her, you know, my dad's Iranian and my mom's American. 
And she took it back to her husband who was on staff, who this is Leslie Welke, for those of you who are familiar locally, and Charlie Welke. And then Charlie Welke took, took it back to staff and told the staff, and the whole place blew up. They had to develop the church when Trump got involved because they knew their tales were highly, um, highly irresponsible. <laughs> so they moved to a whole other state. Um, but nonetheless, uh, you know, I wasn't like I told the church. Or I was like, hey, you got to welcome me. Or, hey, you got to put a banner up. Or, hey, you got to post this on your door. Or, like, hey, you fly flags for me or something. I was like, no, I just told my friend the privacy of my home. And that's what my letter to my mayor uh, testifies to over and over again. And, um, and then the day they blew up in a big division, they had a summit over it. And uh, Annie Stanley wrote an article for the Christian Post about we got to unhitch uh, ourselves from the Old Testament and, um, you know, uh, dive deeper into the gospel. And essentially, you know, he said that the Old Testament has always been the source of uh, Christian um, abuse in, in the history of the church and for Christian uh, persecution in the history of the church. And th- these are Annie Stanley's words because he was, you know, his book is Irresistible, uh, Irresistible Church. And uh, very much of his work was about the gospel. And he got some, some pushback on that article because, you know, the old foggy Christians want to maintain political alliance and political power and their, um, their power. And some of the pushback was like, no, uh, we can't, you know, undermine the Old Testament and and, you know, um, we always get those arguments about that. And then the day, you know, he commented back that my, uh, my, uh, advice was for this church that, um, you know, was trying to, um, define, uh, neighbor and, um, how to treat your neighbor and how to, uh, love your neighbor and all the commands that are summed up in, um, love God and love your neighbor. And so we had, you know, a lot of work done throughout the history of this uh, church abuse and uh, racial problem in the church. And um, we see now um, how they have all uh, turned the other way because they're caught with um, crimes since their sexual immorality came out. And now they want to uh, try and pretend like uh, it's me or like I have some kind of... Uh, uh, Jewish moral, Jewish ceremonial law failure to try and like, you know, flip the script because they don't want to be responsible and repentant of their own deeds. And so we just see how, uh, you know, when we look at other organizations besides these top five um, white supremacists that dominated the monopoly of the Christian secular culture and the politics um, of our day. Um, that many of these Christian organizations are about um, upholding justice, diving deeper into the gospel, uh, maintaining, um, you know, uh, the spirit and the spirit that unifies. And, you know, um, obviously, um, how it's about the gospel and not about Jewish her- Jewish heritage and we don't have to convert to Judaism to be a Christian no matter where uh, your daddy might r- reside that's just stupidity and when we get you know a bloodthirsty politician that wants to play church yet has no history of donating to the church's cause no, ch- no history of upholding the church no history of um, sharing um, the faith with anyone, not even in his family or near or far, you know, and just uh, in this battle for the sake of his own political career goals. 
and an atheist that's blood hungry and power hungry and greedy that wants to abuse people for money um trying to uh defraud and and uh bank fraud people and their property and their assets so he can uh essentially uh, own a human being and pretend that he uh oppress and suppress and abuse another human being into slavery to make him own a, a slave and uh make them depend on him for survival i guess is the the end of the game for them that, that means they won the game <laughs> if we have a slave that means we won and that's essentially their goal is to uh, enslave people to them to uh have power i just wanted to say too like um god has been speaking then uh from the beginning of this uh in in text and in scripture uh for all to understand and essentially um you know it's mocked probably by politicians it's mocked probably by the secular world and at the end of the day he keeps saying hear what the spirit has to say to the churches hear what the spirit has to say to the churches this isn't a political you know cause this isn't you know a secular cause this isn't for atheists you know god speaks to them still but you know this is a church problem a church issue um what does god have to say to the churches as the churches haven't got it right yet haven't repented yet haven't recompensed anything yet haven't um been the church yet and have had um, nothing but malice and hatred and murder in their hearts and hands because they haven't got their hearts right and god is trying to tell them hey uh what does the spirit have to say to the churches and what do we know well you know, it starts at the household of God and the butress of truth. The butress of truth uh, um, is meaning that, you know, the church was given um, the, the authority to uphold uh, scripture and was given the privilege to uh, make sure the inerrancy of scripture is maintained and is given this um, duty to make sure that scripture isn't tampered with, isn't, um, you know, uh, subverted and isn't, um, um, you know, maligned in any way. And that was the responsibility of the church. It was given this to maintain the, the truth and inerrancy of scripture. And ultimately, um, judgment starts in the household of God. It's always an inside job with Christ, right? Inside your heart first, inside your home first, and then outward. And same with the church. It starts in the church first. We're not going to tell society how to feel about gay and lesbians if we can't get it right in the church, right? We're not going to tell society how to feel about, um, you know, um, maybe uh, uh, adultery if we're uh, adulterers uh, in the church. We're not going to. And, and look, they can't. They can't even speak on it because they haven't got it right inside yet. So no one can even speak on it and they can't uphold the truth of the Bible because they can't even live it out. And so they can't, you know, um, disprove of anyone else that does it because they do it themselves. So it's like, well, how are you going to, and many of them preach this way because they're hypocrites, but it's like, well, how are you going to sit there and tell someone else not to do something when you do it yourself? And that's, you know, um, always um, the problem is having a clear heart and a clear conscience. So when you're maligned and slandered, um, you know you've done right, but the the teaching priest and the priest today and, and the history has always been, um, you know, hypocritical. But nonetheless, you know, God has spoken um, through his word and for the churches.
So it might sound a little crazy to someone that's not church. It might sound a little uh, extra charismatic. It might sound spooky. But, you know, you're not trained. You don't have an ear for it. You don't know the shepherd's voice. You wouldn't hear it. It might be a little, you know, um, you know, weird for you maybe. So um, with that, um, you know, we have this parable of the workers in the vineyard and Matthew tells us um, that, you know, because no one hired them, they're waiting there all day, these workers to get hired. And um, some of them came at the, you know, the, at the beginning of, of the, of the, of the break of dawn and, and wanted to get hired. And they agreed for a certain amount of pay um, to work for the whole day. And others came, you know, at, at three hours later. Another came at noon. Another came at four or five, you know. And some came, like, you know, one at the last hour to work. And um, they all agreed for the same amount of pay. And um, when they finished their work and their uh, pay got, got handed out, uh, the ones that came at the dawn who got $5, were grumbling at the ones that came at 4 p.m. and got $5. And like, we had to sit here um, in the, the heat and the burden of the day and, and worked all day long for $5, and you paid us the same amount as you paid that last guy that got hired, uh, who only worked for you an hour, who didn't uh, have the burden of the work and the heat of the day? And what and what is a high read? this case you know christ uh god tell him he says uh am i not being am i not being unfair to you friend didn't you agree to work for a denarius take your pay and go i want to give to the one who was hired last the same as you don't i have the right to do what i want with my own money So he tells his friend, he's like, hey, it's my business if I want to pay the guy that came at 6 a.m. five bucks and I want to pay the guy that came at 4 p.m. five bucks. Who are you to tell me what to do with my money? The guy that came at 6 a.m. agreed and had a contract with me to work for $5. The guy that came at 4 p.m. agreed and had a contract with me to work for $5. Who are you, friend? To begrudge my generosity. Who are you, friend, to tell me what to do with my money? They all agreed on what their work should be and what their pay should be. Why are you grumbling? Do I not have a right to do with my money uh, what I want? I want to give to the one who was hired at the uh, hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have a right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Amen? And we, we know the context of this. He's talking about the Jews and the Gentiles. The Jews came first. They burned, bore the burden of the heat and then worked harder and, you know, had to go through the law and the burden of the day. Who are you to tell God what to do with his riches? If he wants to save a Jew and he wants to save a Gentile, who do you begrudge his generosity? It's his grace, his mercy. He'll give to this one and he'll give to that one. It's not they agreed to it and they received it. It's not your place to tell him who to get what pay. 
And as a businessman, you should know when you hire people out, people out, you tell this one you're going to get this pay. You tell that one they're going to get that pay. And whether this one worked harder or longer or whatever, it's not up to, they had a contract with you. And they agreed to it. And if one grumbles, oh, well, well, I worked harder than him and my project was harder than his. And and I had to work an extra week long and, and stay up all night to get it finished. And this one got done in five hours. Is that your fault? friend and same with God and his generosity on who he wants to save and when he wants to save he'll give the last will be first and the first will be last so all the laws and commands are summed up in one command love your neighbor as yourself love does no harm to a neighbor therefore love is a fulfillment of the law and that's, guys, it's the whole law, the whole laws are given out tick for tack, tick for tack, tick for tack, do this, do that, do this, do that. No, no. The whole just the heart, the heart, the principle behind the law is what? If you loved God, you wouldn't want to harm someone. And that is the principle of all the law and the prophets up to this point, he says. Like, if you love God so much, you wouldn't want to harm anyone. And essentially, um, you know, um, you know, harming someone would be like, you know, defrauding your neighbor or even, you know, um, stealing them uh, in adulterous ways. That, that would be, that's harming your neighbor. And he's like, you know, if you love your neighbor, you wouldn't want to hurt them like that. And so he's, you know, telling them that the principle behind all the laws and the commands are summed up in love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Love doesn't harm a neighbor. It's not, you know, don't do this, don't do that. It's like, if you are harming someone, you probably don't love God. And it's not really, you know, that hard to, um, you know, be like, oh, I can't do this. Oh, I can't do that. Oh, it's like, no, no. If you love God so much, you wouldn't want to. If you love God so much, uh, you would love your neighbor. You wouldn't want to hurt him. You wouldn't want to defraud him. You wouldn't want to abuse him. You wouldn't want to do these things, right? And that's why we always say, if you have a horizontal problem, you have a vertical problem. You're not right with God because you take your, your problems out uh, on people. So you need to get your heart right with God first, get your vertical right, and then you can get your horizontal right. And why does Stanley have such a race problem? Because he's not right with God. He hasn't worked on getting right with God. He has he has some anger issue with God and who God saves and what God uh, brings into his kingdom. And he's not right with God. And he can't live it out horizontally. So may you bring the day you have announced so that it may become like me. They may become like me. Let all their wickedness come before you. Deal with them as you've dealt with me. Because of all my sins, my groans are many and my heart is faint. So this guy has literally um, sat me up to smear me without me getting a voice or a say out. Just literally behind your back. Uh, made a smear campaign of you. And evidently all the idiots of the world believe this guy and everything he says about you behind your back. Because that's how f- stupid and ignorant they are. And uh, why, why would someone do this? Well, obviously they would sit there and smear someone without a defense or a say or a voice. As he harbors all my social media and all my... Uh, tweets and everything, any, does it behind my back, doesn't take me, I can show up in a court, I have no problem coming there and testifying to everything you've done. They don't want me seen, they don't want me heard, and i tell you why. 
Because this man has been having an adulterous relationship uh, with sexual violence like we've never seen. And uh, had to smear me to cover his own tail in the church. And then goes to Donald Trump to help him smear it. And then Donald Trump has a harem and a, a affair while he's president. And doesn't want anyone knowing. So he has to sit here and use his witch, witch hunt scheme to uh, divert the idiots of the world. To pretend like, no, he's just here washing a female's uh, vagina because it's dirty, guys. That's all. No, no, he's just sitting here uh, washing a female's uh, vagina when she's married for 16 years because uh, she was such a hoe in college. That's it. When uh, he's the one that uh, has a history of cheating on his wife when his wife is pregnant. Uh, obviously, his kids are, are hoes. Obviously, you know, this is the, the culture of being hoes. If I had one boyfriend uh, in college, I am not wild. Okay, this is, uh, American standard is, hurry up and lose your virginity before you, uh, make it to prom. Look at Elon. I think he's taught us, he's been practicing since he's 12. He said my kids are immature because they're not into that, uh, at, at 14, 15. This is American culture. This is American standard. Okay, look at the preacher's kids. Mike Baker's kids got kicked out of high school because they're so wild. They're bringing guns to school and bullying people. This kid never made it. Uh, passes a GED, has tats all over his face, just a hoodlum monster, and uh, no sense of God of godliness. Five kids laying all over the place from different baby mamas. And the one he just married now is his uh, fourth wife, who's been around the block five different times, and has ten kids by four different men. And Mike Baker lists his grandkids, and all of a sudden we're like, what? When did Mike Baker get ten grandkids? Well, the whole uh, daughter-in-law... Uh, has 10 kids from all the men she's been with. Also the Brady Bunch. It's the preacher of the church trying to tell me what's up. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, your your daughter-in-law is a, a hoe bag. And you have uh, illegitimate kids all over the place. And you're trying to tell me because I had one boyfriend that I'm a hoe. You're not going to sit here and take another man's wife. And disgrace her. And defame her. And humiliate her. Because you hacked into my Wi-Fi And started having an immoral relationship and sexual immorality, and then assaulted me, and then harassed me, and then raped me, and then sexually exploited me, and then sexually trafficked my kids, and then think you're going to sit here and smear me because you and Donald Trump had a harem, and now you, Joe Biden, and Donald Trump are uh, having uh, uh orgy every night. I'm not going to be smeared for you, buddy. You can be a camel for your own sins. And so we urge you, brothers and sisters... Watch out for those who cause divisions and put up obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you've learned. Keep away from them. Such people are not serving our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. So my sister is very impressionable. and She just uh, got baptized in 2019. And she didn't have much good sound teaching um, about the faith or anything of it. And coming from a religious uh, background, we know religion is very appealing. And so she thinks uh, that this man, his heresy uh, is Christianity. And it's just like, oh, there's just more rules we do and don't do. And that makes you a good Christian. It's like, no, no. It's not about uh, do this and do that. And this man has brainwashed her into thinking that um, it's about do this and do that. It's like, no, Nessa, you are naive. And that's not what Jesus is here for. And you have... uh, fed into this man uh manipulating you knowing that and and having you sit here and be like 
uh, is about, uh, you know, um, works righteousness. You don't earn your own salvation. You don't earn your own righteousness. And so this man has been feeding his own appetite and by flattery and smooth talk been deceiving the hearts of naive. Um, I rejoice because uh, everyone has heard about your obedience. They've known my obedience. I've been living with these guys for eight years. They've heard of my obedience. They know my faith. And it was unstoppable. And just because uh, Donald Trump came in here and wanted to be a president with a harem and smear me. And now Joe Biden wants to, you know, take off of his uh, step up on the ladder and pretend like he's a somebody now. It's not going to happen. And it's like, uh, everyone's heard of your obedience. So I rejoice because of you. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. They got a peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. <clears throat> So, obviously, you know, uh, Trump has been using this and abusing this for a long, long time. Uh, I took the blame for him during campaign season because I'm like, well, I'm not going to be, you know, if he loses the campaign, I'm not going to have him blame me for it. And if he wins the campaign, you know, I'm not going to have him blame me for it. So, I'm just like, you know, I didn't say anything until his campaign season was done because I'm like, well, I don't want it to cause him to lose or anything so you know he sat there and had his little harem and you know did his uh smear and everything and it's like okay when you left office and you didn't win the campaign you should have took your stuff with you and got out but no he kept it and continued on and you know still used it for his um gain and uh, i'm like when i wrote to joe biden then i'm like hey how come he took all these military tools with him and no one got them out of his hands joe biden started joining forces with him running it with him and i'm like i'm not going to be y'all's target because you guys want to sit here and take advantage of my kindness and my christianity and uh have your cake and eat it too and disgrace my family and disgrace another man's wife behind his back thinking you're cute you're gonna be accountable for your own actions and I'll take you to a court in front of God and everyone, and they can know what really happened because it wasn't just, you know, a little dressing room from a whack job that uh, you met in the street. And it wasn't just, oh, classified documents and, um, you know, these were military documents. It's like, no, no. These were uh, surveillance and uh, me only fanned um, equipments to violate women in their home and then make money off it. So. You haven't made up for anything yet. You're ordered to recompense this. And you haven't repented of anything yet. And you haven't made anything right yet. I'm like, I'm not going to sit here and uh, give you chance after chance as you plot to kill me and harm me and defraud me and steal from me. And then bring this uh, man that's psychotic and hates God and uh, has just nothing but evil up his arm to kill people and uh, blood hungry, thirsty to, to kill for no no reason. No reason at all. And it's like this man has no sense of um, religiosity whatsoever. And no sense of... Um, he didn't know the Jewish Gentile battle guys. I gave a Bible study um, that was pretty much uh, knocking, uh, debunking a myth in the church over uh, Romans 9, 9 and, and how uh, the Jews... Uh, were cut off, um, you know, for this, uh, for the time of the Gentiles. And essentially, God was showing me that, you know, Jews were, no, no, they had a stumbling in their faith and they violated the covenant. And um, they blew the covenant. And that's why um, Gentiles were brought in. And so, um, because that wouldn't be consistent with God to cut off, 
and uh, then bring back in. Judas was cut off, right? And um, Peter w- had a stumble. So we see a difference between a stumbling and a cutting off. And so we had this uh, false teaching that's been gone on in the churches for a long time. And, um, you know, my Bible study kind of was talking about that in the you know, the issue of uh, Jews and Gentiles. And then Elon became aware. And then, um, you know, someone made a comment. And I think he got really mad that he didn't know about this church issue. And so now he's been trying to take this side of the Jews over Gentiles for no reason at all. And just now found out about it a few months ago. <laughs> now he's ready to, to kill for it. So I'm just like, okay, that's just stupidity. You're in kill for a cause you just found out about four months ago. Evidently so. Hey guys, it's me, Layla Cheek, and thank you for joining me on another episode of Ample Cause, Our Justification. And I just wanted to uh, talk about my um, journal here, which is uh, what I vow to tell, nothing but the truth, as I've been kind of documenting uh, the events of my life and the setup of the scheme of events with uh, two presidents, a preacher, and a billionaire that uh, <laughs> all uh, committed adultery and had me and now want to cover up their abuse and sexual misconducts and uh, attempt to murder me and kill me. And so with that, here we are, I guess, um, at another trial in Fulton County, which is the hometown of Andy Stanley and uh, Pre- Precious uh, North Point uh, Church, his county exactly. And it's no surprise that we're having a Trump trial in the county of this preacher because he did interfere with the elections uh, heinously as in 2020 um, after uh, he was watching me in the church cameras and um, having uh, sexual harassments uh, of watching me there and handing the, these cameras out to thousands of people to come watch me on the church cameras in a, in the church building, um, which the preacher got disorderly conduct in a public place uh, for trafficking me through there um, essentially checking me out Um he freaked out and went to Donald Trump to help him cover his sexual misconducts and his um, his uh, sickness and illnesses that he couldn't uh, heal on his own. And Trump uh, tried to help him out, but he couldn't help him either and fell into the same uh, sickness as he did. And we had then two of them uh, essentially lusting and committing adultery with another man's wife. Uh, so bad so that he got his own camera system and put it into my house to... Um, up the ante and get it off of the phone hack and the computer hack and you know these apple iphone cameras and computer cameras don't do any justice compared to the government ai equipment that he had from the military and the cameras that he put in my house and uh, on my roof and in my windows and um, on my body and the motion sensors and motion cameras and now i have cameras inside and all around uh, my vaginal area and um, it's a facebook live cam at all times and the funny thing is um, you know, they hand this out, Joe Biden as well, hands this out to um, as many people as they can. It's not like we're harboring this and we're trying to keep it um, secret or we're trying to um, hide it. They hand it out and make it as big as they can. Why, you ask? Because the more people they can get this handed to under their control and tell them the narrative they want to push on it. Hey, guys, this is the insurrectionist. Come watch her in her home prison program. Uh, don't tell anyone. It hasn't come into public view yet. Uh, keep it on the download. And uh, you can watch all kinds of uh, mutilations of her at night. Don't worry. We have ground to do it. It's legal. 
And that's literally what Joe Biden told the women in my Bible study that I just started uh, last month um, as he handed out my privacy to about 20 ladies in this new Bible study I joined that was nationwide or worldwide as an international Bible study. He contacts every single one of them before I can even join the group and hands out my privacy uh, roots to them and tells them the lie about what this is according to his uh, cover up of what it is isn't and, and tells them that you know just don't tell anyone you can't testify in a court of law of what you seem it, it's confidential top secret government information um and it hasn't hit the public eye or media yet so we can't talk about it you can invest in it all you want here's ways to invest in it and and, and uh join the party at night just don't report to any tabloids or as media has already you know invested in it but it just hasn't hit the public eye yet and so they hand this out to as many people as they can to give them this testimony, bind them under uh, an oath to not tell anyone, and then run the narrative on it and smear my name and defame my name of what this really is. Was it really? A preacher hacked my Wi-Fi eight years ago, five years into it. Um, they went to Trump. Trump got these, uh, you know, from the government. Senator Durbin, who is a big member in, in the Senate, uh, had got an aid request and took down the pussy cam that Trump had put on my vagina, which was literally watching my vaginal drip. I have police reports on this. A camera was sitting there watching my vaginal drip for um, an extended period of time. And uh, I reported this to the senator finally when I figured out who to even report uh, a camera on my vagina to. And he did take it down. Um, but then evidently he got back up and kept it going. But Trump literally implemented sign up sheets before he left office, uh, that 20 at a time can sign up to watch my vaginal drip and vaginal wetness on this vagina cam. And my husband, who has no idea of any of this, could tell you, uh, I used to wrap like Mylar foil around myself because I was, you know, trying to hide this man looking at my vagina. And, and to see if it was aroused or not. He would look at how wet it was. And literally, uh, I have people... He opened it up to my whole community. That's what the J6 storming of the courts... Storming of the, the Capitol is. It's not the Capitol they stormed. It was my house they stormed. He opened this up to the public. So it wasn't the Capitol. No, no. It was my house. Uh, I, I'm Mar-a-Lago, right? And so... Uh, yes, that's huge interference in election. Because it was August of 2020... That this preacher had uh, went to Donald Trump and asked him, hey, um, I, he didn't tell him I'm having an affair in the church. I need you to help me cover it up as Donald Trump couldn't even cover up his own affairs with Storm Daniels, right? But he was like, tell him some lie about uh, Edom rose up against me or something. Uh, come help me in my church problem. And so uh, right in the middle of the campaign season, right in the middle of, you know, um, the end of the campaign, uh, Donald Trump d- decided to help this man under his lies and fraudulent terms he went to him under and, uh, you know, interfered with the campaign tremendously. He told him lies about what it was and what it was for. And then, you know, Trump heard me on, on these ca- uh, microphones that were on my phone. It was jailbroken. They turned the microphones on, the cameras on and was listening and found out my side of the story. And obviously the, the proof lined up accurately there was no way around it and put two two together and found out oh this man is actually you know guilty of sexual misconduct and it had this chick's wi-fi and had come to me under false pretenses to do this and the other and then trump was mad that he had to bail this deadbeat out of the church uh for heinous crimes that he's done and he's like how are you so stupid to hack someone's wi-fi because you found their half middle eastern no one could believe the stuff this man had done and how idiotic he was to do that 
and he was enraged at this baker for you know going through someone's uh whole files and pictures and tweets and emails solely because they're middle eastern and went to your church for eight years at that point and you wanted to you know see if they're terrorists or some some your own ignorance your own stupidity and so he didn't you know want to uh cater to this man's stupidity but he was already locked in and then you know then he found out that uh stanley was over here lurking on you in the cameras and uh having these affairs and so they gave it to him to come come check out in the church cameras too so he came to church with me and called me sunshine i have police reports on this and on the the vagina cam and so you know um they essentially put the stumbling block before him and uh made him stumble and it's like um you know there's huge election interference with this and this preacher thinks that he should go unharmed and unscathed through all the stuff he's done it's like you are a detriment to our country you endangered our country you put our whole country in all kinds of harm's way um spent a lot of money on implementing these things for your entertainment purposes and your uh criminal activity that you have been held accountable for and you think you're above the constitution and everyone should value up because you made yourself uh you made people think you are the church. You made people think that you are the head of the church. You made people think that we have excommunication in our church. You made people think that we are some kind of Catholic church that has hierarchy. You made people think that we have some kind of process in our church. We don't. We don't have hierarchy in our church. If we did, trust me, I'd be going to them. We don't have excommunications in our church. We're not Catholic. If you don't like the church, you know what you do? You go down the road to the next church you see. There's no, oh, we're stuck in this cult and we got to like go through a process. There's no cult practice here, okay? This isn't that kind of church. And, uh, you know, sometimes I wish we had that kind of authority and that kind of, you know, process because when these preachers commit crimes, what do they do? They run to presidents instead of church boards to, uh, you know, get forgiveness or restitution or repentance. They run to two different presidents to cover their high crimes thinking they're someone special. And that's where we're at. And then we have uh, presidents then bribing off uh, judges through Elon Musk, who, why Elon Musk? Well, this became a big investment project as these guys would light your body on fire at night and invest in lighting the Muslim convert uh, on fire. Let's make it into a political movement because what do, what do politicians do, guys? They take social events, social movements, and turn them into political causes. So it became, let's light the Muslim uh, on fire and terrorize the, the quote-unquote Muslim terrorists here and make it an investment project. So these people are, are literally investing in lighting the Muslim on fire on our bed at night as I'm knocked out unconscious. They light my breast on fire, light my vagina on fire, and uh, get robes uh, and um, from the DOJ. These are, this is, you know, military equipment, guys. You might not have heard of this uh, because you might not know what the military equipment's like in, in the uh, military department and what kind of tools they have. But pretty much the whole world knows, right? We weren't uh, wondering how Joe Biden's going to administer uh, health care to this person virtually, right? No one was questioning, well, how is he going to administer reproductive care to this chick? No one was questioning, well, how are we going to uh, implement uh, uh, heart care to this chick? No one was questioning how we're doing these um, quote-unquote Veritas projects and medical cares virtually to some chick we've never met or seen, right? No one questioned it once. No one asked how. No one asked about the technology, don't ask about how you're going through her heart. How are you playing these videos at night? How are we uh, giving medicine to her? How are we doing any of this stuff? So we knew the technology existed. We're just pretending that we don't. 
And so I keep telling them, like, you made me your target. You all came to me. I don't have ability to go to you. You came to me. And it's like, you know, Joe Biden at the inaugural address hired a poet um, because he heard of the abuse that Trump had uh, done with the church. And um, how it was, like, held hostage. And, um, uh, you know, he he took, like, some ex-boyfriend and made up stories about you. And everyone had heard them, obviously, because he used them for propaganda to cover his affair of having a, uh, a hot chick that he was living with when he was president. And ran it under, like, Adam Thompson and, and you know, smearing you with, like, ex-boyfriend stuff. Um, and so at the inaugural address, obviously, we heard of that. And Joe Biden heard of it. And then started, uh, he got that poet to... Um, give way to my situation and um you know uh essentially was like use my paper that I wrote to my mayor about a uh, call for unity and a call for um uh upholding our constitution and upholding our amendment and upholding the backbone of our nation and instead you know and Biden uh, hired that poet to Amanda Gorman to uh you know stamp it uh, as historic uh under his uh, sworn and oath of yes these events happened and that's my paper that she read for her poem of my uh call for unity in these areas when i wrote a letter to my mayor because why well i wrote this letter to my mayor it's a nine page letter that i have on my podcast as well um called the the beauty of truth um uh and essentially it gave an orderly account of these events and how they happened up to january 12th i think it was when i wrote that and of 2021 right before they uh, sworn in and changed. And so um, it gives an orderly account up to that events of, you know, this preacher hacking my stuff and then Trump coming in and bringing all these people into watching me on the cameras in the church and this stuff. And it was getting very violent. He got kicked off Twitter because of his violence. And he kept threatening to kill me and kept threatening uh, if I tell anyone he's going to kill me. And so he got, this before Elon even bought Twitter, and he's going to get kicked off of Twitter. He got kicked off of Twitter because he kept threatening to kill me. And did try and have someone uh, come find me and uh, kidnap me and, and, you know, take me off somewhere. And so I was literally, literally scared for my life. I'd have to park under uh, surveillance cameras at buildings and stuff. And, like, when I went to the gym, I would park by the surveillance camera because, well, for one, he put a camera on my car there, which is not, you know, FISA ordered, uh, just so they could watch in your car. And that, at the time, the media ran it as uh, stolen uh, mail, mail votes. We're stealing uh, votes from the mailboxes, right? You remember that news story? So the stolen mail ballots were really, no, you put cameras in my car. <laughs> put cameras uh, on the back of my old van that I had a van before I switched in to get this one. So we ran, you know, propaganda stories with all these events that were happening. And, um, you know, uh, he was getting very violent. And so um, at that point, uh, I didn't want, I, I never, I don't know anything about politics. I'm here for Christ. I don't, you know, I know Christianity. I don't know politics. And I don't, I'm not a believer that, you know, politics is going to change the world. I think Christ will. So, you know, I don't really um, get too into red or blue or what kind of political agenda, you know. So I didn't really know much about his agenda or much about anything. Um, and so I just didn't even read his tweets or, you know, get involved with any of his stuff. Because I'm like, I don't want to be the cause for him to lose a campaign. He comes and kills me or something. So I just didn't even, you know, mingle with that. And so this is why they don't want me testifying. <laughs> because they don't want the real narrative to come out. They want to run their own narrative on what this is and isn't. Now, none of them really should even be here or know anything about me, but they invaded my privacy and broke into my house and then uh, had to try and cover up their tales of why they're in my house by these fake trials. And so now, you know, enter Elon Musk, who um, 
got involved in this and, you know, had those terminal effects and, um, you know, thought he could buy you and, and own you with investing the most. Uh, and it, I don't know if you heard of the bull market. Well, that's, you know, a bull, <laughs> like a dog, right? And so there's all kinds of different markets of um, things to invest in in this, you name it. Um, from fires to, to who's going to get the number one sound, sound, song pick to, you know, all kinds of random uh, things uh, in between your days. Just kind of like a crapshoot almost. And so my thing has always been, I'm not here for vanity. I'm not here for you to look at. I'm not here for sexual harassment. I'm not here for a good time. And I think I was, before I got cut off, I had to pick up my son from school. But, um, you know, I'm not here for politics. I don't really know much about politics. And I wasn't going to mingle into um, anyone's, you know, run or campaign or anything. Because, obviously, you know, I didn't want them to blame me either way for it. And I don't really know much about that. I was so focused on um, preparing for ministry and for, uh, missionary work that I was just devoted to, uh, anything I've seen or listened to or heard or watched or consumed was Christian, uh, either the Bible, scripture or sermons. And that's literally, I don't watch TV. I don't, you know, mingle in secular things. Um, the only time I might hear secular music is when I do a workout at the gym and they play, you know, secular music in my gym class. But other than that, you know, I was just completely devoted to, um, you know, sermons and scripture. And so I wasn't going to get, you know, derailed from, from my calling missions, um, to mingle in politics. And so, and quite frankly, my preacher, Mike Baker, when he hacked my stuff, um, God started speaking to me through scripture and he covered up his hack saying that God's doing something here. God's doing something here. God's working. God's working. And he wrote a book called Jesus Speaks off of uh, seeing God speak through scripture on my phone here. Um, and it was an altar study and, you know, um, he kept telling me that God's preparing me for, for ministry. That's why, that's why uh, he's talking to you. And so I was like, oh, okay. And so I de- devoted myself to whatever he told me this was because I, I, who was I to question the preacher? I thought he would know God better than me. And he would tell me what this was and wasn't. And so he told me God was preparing me for, for ministry. So I was devoted full-heartedly to prepare for what a ministry was. And ultimately, um, you know, he told me that he had to get in my dirt to watch me from the outside through my window uh, to uh, tell me what's wrong with me. And I was like, oh, wow, I can't believe the preacher would do that. He would uh, break into my house and watch me from my window to tell me what's wrong with me. That's amazing. I was like, I didn't know anything was wrong with me. You know, he really manipulated me and misogynistically, um, you know, uh, played with, with me. And, you know, these guys set themselves up as, like, they're the highest thing. And, like, how dare you question them and their their knowledge, you know. So, at the time, I was just like, wow, I can't believe I have a personal preacher that would spend all this time watching me in my window and then tell me what's wrong with me. <laughs> and literally, he would sit there on Sundays and just roast me and, and degrade me and, and humiliate you and, and belittle you, you know. And <laughs> after a while, I was like, I don't know what you're looking for. I don't know what you want. I'm like, I don't know what this guy is looking in my window for. Like, I'm a Christian. I know I'm a Christian. I'm not sure. I'm not, you know, going to Iran anytime soon because you haven't figured out your your crime here. Like, this hasn't got resolved. And he kept trying to send me to Iran and tell me, go back to your people. Go back to your people. Take the gospel to your people. I'm like, I know you want to send me, like, on the front lines to get killed over there. But I'm like, you haven't figured out your crime yet. You haven't, we haven't made this right yet so i'm like i'm not gonna just get up and go to iran because you're telling me to go to iran and go take this to my people that's my calling or my mission or something and you haven't even like you know figured out why you broke into my life and just exposed my life to millions of people and made uh you know a, a mockery and a roast of me 
And so I'm like, well, I don't think God's calling me to Iran. He kept trying to push me, go to Iran, go to Iran. I'm like, I don't feel like God's telling me to go there right now. It's not, it's, the door is not open. It's not working out, you know? And so he kept trying to like, just get rid of you and kill you off somewhere so he can cover his crimes. And, um, eventually, you know, um, going back now, uh, so I was devoted to this, uh, miss or whatever he was trying to tell me I was going to be called to. And so then, um, you know, with Elon then, um, uh, he then uh, tried to set up these, these trials to, uh, cover this up and pretend like he's the, the land star here because Stanley, uh, came in when Baker had my Wi-Fi. Two years later, he found out and he charged Mike Baker for his immoral relationship, uh, on here and, and for this. And, and not because he didn't know or someone told him. He's seen enough evidence from what I had to prove to him that, yeah, Mike Baker hacked in my stuff. And then Mike Baker confessed and, and, and was like, yeah, I did. And so Stanley charged Mike Baker. And that's how he was losing money and losing his funds. And Mike, uh, Stanley collected, uh, millions of dollars over the course of five, six years from Mike Baker under the table cash money that he pocketed. And Mike Baker was losing money, uh, on the books because he couldn't afford to run the church because he had to give a, a big portion of taxes to this guy, this Stanley coming in here. And, uh, Stanley didn't tell anyone he's collecting this money for his own stash. He was just charging Mike Baker and Mike Baker couldn't tell anyone because he took an oath, uh, that if you don't tell anyone, uh, you can keep this up. And so Stanley just came in here and imposed himself on, on Baker. And Baker had to sit here and give him money, I guess. And that's how they, you know, got defunded. And then it's like, um, you know, now Stanley uh, wants to uh, uh, try and consolidate this church and own it because he wanted to watch me on the cameras forever. He was very obsessed and thought that he could maybe um, buy out the church after he defunded him. And it's the same plan, only now it's with me. And then uh, watch, watch me forever on the cameras and not look like a creep. And so, um, anyways, um, they found out, oh, we can go to Trump, and he'll go see surveillance is watching our home, and all this stuff. Well, um, now, um, you know, and so, Mike Baker admitted to this, and I wrote a letter to, um, my, uh, major, and I explained to him, hey, I forgave Baker over this, uh, thing, he hacked my Wi-Fi, and this is where, where we are, and, um, I forgave him. Um, but you know, now they're trying to impose, uh, uh, special healthcare, like government imposed healthcare on you and government mandated things on you. It's like, we should have a right to choose, um, our healthcare and stuff like that. I'm not going to have government tell me, Hey, you have to die of this because we want to afford to treat it right or whatnot. You know what I mean? So, um, I wrote them a letter when that was a big issue at the time when they were trying to, um, manipulate things on that. But anyways, on the letter I wrote to my mayor, which I was talking about, I guess, before I got cut off with the Amanda Gorman poet, um, was because Donald Trump had come in at this point, and there was not a whole lot of witnesses outside the Christian community, and this man was very violent and always threatening to kill me and to just get rid of me for these guys and trying to, you know, cover all this up. And so it was getting very dangerous. He got taken off Twitter. Um, you know, there's a no contact, <laughs> no contact order I trying to fill out for him. And it was getting very violent. And so um, I had to write this letter not only um, to get, you know, some witnesses and some protection, but um, get the word out about how this happened and why. But he was trying to change the policy of the church to be American policy. And he wanted to say it's American policy. That's why we hacked your phone and need to kick you out. 
So they're still working on the same regime. They just got more crafty in it with Joe Biden over here. And that's why I wrote this letter saying, well, we had to find what American is because uh, make America great could be a lot of things. What, what, what is American policy? What is America? And how did the origin of America come about? And I sent this letter to, you know, Senator Durbin, my governor Prisker, uh, one to Joe Biden uh, early in January of 21 when he took office. And the Catholic diocese, um, I sent one to um, Jim Jordan in the judiciary branch because this letter uh, gives an orderly account of how this stuff all happened and why we're here. And then it also calls for, okay, well, the definition of American is we all came here from other countries. And uh, when we came here, we were able to keep a piece of our heritage with us, right? We didn't come here and say, okay, you're Greek. You need to uh, become American. You're Italian, you need to become American. Uh, you're you're uh, Mexican, you need to become American. No, we all came here with different backgrounds. And when you come here, uh, you bring your heritage with you. And you are able uh, to keep that in your community, pass it down to your kids, talk about it, uh, have these traditions uh, generationally passed down. And what happened was... Uh, you know, uh, the Dodgers came here and influenced uh, architecture and and, and uh, how they built houses in their own little communities in, in you know, New England. And, you know, so did uh, the French and so did the British. And they all had their own style and influence on different areas of culture, right? And this is how these things transpired. And so it's like, no, no, you didn't come here and become, quote, unquote, American. You brought your own traditions with you and... Uh, kept them and passed them down generationally. And so what I did was tell my friend in my basement of my home, when she asked me my nationality, my heritage, where are you from or what's your nationality? I was like, well, my mom's American and my dad's Iranian. And she took that back to the church and the whole place blew up. And that's how my wife, I got hacked and, and how uh, there was a big division in the church over it. Uh, and that's why I said in my letter, uh, we should be able to share in the privacy of our home with a friend what our heritage is, what our nationality is, without being persecuted and abused and threatened and trying to get, get ran out of a town and have uh, the whole town uh, try and kill you because you shared your heritage with someone. Now, I didn't impose that on anyone. I didn't say, hey, everybody, you need to be pro-Iranian. I didn't say, hey, guys, we need to take up Muslim causes. I didn't say, hey, guys, we need to have Islamic Jesus in the church. I didn't say, hey, guys, the church needs to welcome Islam. Uh, we need to treat, uh, you know, Muslim. I didn't impose that thing on anyone. If anyone knows my testimony, my testimony as a Christian is uh, I was uh, ashamed of my heritage my whole life and denied it and lied about it and um, made up my own origin of being Greek, German, Danish, and Italian and lied about my race my whole life. And it wasn't until I was in Christ that Christ told me, hey, this thing that you are so ashamed of and that you're trying to run from is the very thing I want to use in you. And the thing I redeemed you from, you don't need to be ashamed of your origin. You, Your identity is in Christ. You are an Iranian-American Christian. And uh, your life is hidden in Christ. And, and the, you know, I bring beauty from ashes. And there's, you know, uh, redemption from anything bad that someone might associate with that. And, uh, you know, I'm this is what I'm using for my glory in my kingdom. And, you know, my whole life I ask God, why did you give me this blood that doesn't mix? And this blood that's always at war in, in me because it's like these two sides just don't mix. And these two sides are always at war in each other. And it's like... You know, if you're here, 
uh, everyone thinks you're a terrorist and hates you if you're in Iran, you know, they don't like Americans, and it's like, you know, you can't go anywhere and be welcomed or, or, or uh, normal, or you can't, you, you don't have a, a, you don't fit in, and so I was like, well, why would God give me this blood, and why would God, you know, mix these two bloods together, of all places, you know, and I couldn't understand why God would do that to me. And I kept asking God my whole life, you know, and it wasn't until Christ where he's like, finally, you know, you don't need to lie about this anymore. Um, I redeemed you from anything that you would uh, be ashamed of. And uh, I'm going to use your race as a Christian for my glory, for my kingdom. And boy, I didn't know he was going to kill me in it and have this man persecute me to hell and back for this race. But boy, God sure is. And, and you know, it will stand as a mark in history for the evangelical church in the West, the U.S. courts in, in, in the West, or in, in our nation. And it's a mark of history of the first persecuted case uh, in the evangelical church. And so to God's glory and to God's, you know, praise that um, he could use uh, a wretch like me for his glory. And such a high calling that marks the pages of history forever. No matter how you purport it and how you change it, my blood will forever mark it. And so here we are. And uh, Elon, you know, ushered that in with the entourage of, you know, presence and, and church behind him. And so, yes, it's very much a church cause at, at the root of it, uh, very much a self-righteous cause at the root of it. And so um, part of Stanley's problem then is he doesn't want to be a Jew, quote unquote. He's not a Hebrew, but he considers himself a Jew and me a Gentile. He he uh, very much considers you uh, non-Christian, evidently. And you're not a Hebrew, right? We're all Gentiles. The only ones that aren't Gentiles are Hebrews. But he considers himself a Jew. And he didn't want to look like he was having an affair and, and transgress and had sexual immoralities uh, against a Gentile. And a Gentile was superior to him. So he couldn't bear the fact that he was lusting and, and insulting and, and assaulting a, a Gentile. But he couldn't help himself. And he didn't want to get caught uh, with that on his name. And he didn't want to look like he was less of a Christian than the Gentile girl half his age uh, from that blood. And so what he did was have him and Trump sit here and spurn you with uh, fake boyfriends. He sat up and smeared you to hell and back. Because his precious blood couldn't account for his own actions. And his superiority complex of being a Jew. Uh, had to make himself inferior uh, to your Gentile blood. Uh, even though his crimes cry out from the ground against you. And his deeds testify to his face. But he didn't want his uh, Jewishness uh, proclaimed as being the one to uh, defile the Gentile. So he had to make up these these stories and pretend like you're some raunch, you're some hoe. You're this, and, and, and with Donald Trump and, and his media pull, I can't get a word out. It's whatever he says and that's it. And I don't even know what he says. It's all behind your back. You can't even defend yourself. But he'll make up any story he wants. Hire any actor he wants. Look at the court system. And look how good these judges act. And they know. It's like he'll hire any actor he wants to spurn your name. So precious Stanley and Baker don't look like they are the ones that are actually worse than you. In their Christianity and their faith. So it's a big, uh, big, big, uh, you know, defamation. And big uh, cover-up to their crimes that they steal. And what do they say? The closer you are to Christ, 
the closer you are to, to the cross, do you get more um, self-righteous? Do you get more cleansed? Do you get more um, pure? No, no, my friends. The closer you are to Christ and the closer you know the cross and the blood of the cross, the more repented you are. The more you realize, woe is me, I'm a sinful man, depart from me. Woe is my sin before God. The closer you get to Christ, the more sinful you see yourself. The closer you get to Christ, the more repentant you are. And if you are uh, walking very close to Christ and very close to the cross, you would know, man, I am a sinner. I can't get it right. I'm in folly and I sin before God constantly and I need your grace. You become more self-righteous, more pure, less tainted, whatever you want to call it. You realize how sinful you are and how in need you are of that cross. Not the other way around. So, you know, some of the best, uh, you know, um, um, you know, preachers or ministers or holy men of uh, Christian history are the ones that, you know, um, knew this and realized it and were quick to repent all the time and confess, hey, I fell short and fall on their face for, for God and man all the time. Like, man, I am a sinner, even in my, my high priestly status, you know, and those are some of the ones that realize, hey, I'm not better than you. I don't look down my nose at you or, hey, I, I'm more cleansed than you, da, da, da. Like, no, no. If you're so close to God, you realize how wretched you are, right? And that's the the beauty of the cross, right? Because, you know, uh, maybe we don't have, you know, uh, blatant uh, crimes like uh, killing people and, and adultery and, and land swaps going on and corruption. But, uh, you know, even little sins, you would have a tender heart to like, oh, man, I lied there. Like, oh, man, I had a bad thought there. Oh, mine, let me keep my you know, my, my mind in check. And, and oh my, I should go help that person. And oh, not, not just sins of uh, commission, but sins of omission too, right? Not just, oh, I, I did this. No, no. What did you omit? What didn't you do? Did you not help your neighbor? Did you not feed the, the hungry? Did you not give to the poor? Did you not help that, that, that lady that needed help getting her weights out of the gym? Did you not help that, that grandma that needed to get something off the shelf in the store? You know, sins of omission as well so you know it's vast and large and it's not we get more self-righteous and we think hey i got the ten commandments covered no no that that was a start that was, that was a start in the old testament right uh jesus calls you 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 go past that now is uh sins of the heart it's the sermon on the mount right now 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 it's not not just if you do this guys now your your heart needs to be right Right. And, and so now it's like, boy, we need grace. And so, um, obviously, um, uh, this guy has a lot of heresy running here and, um, a lot of lies. Um, so, uh, with that, um, you know, I don't know, um, where these guys are at, but this is all these rapes and murders and things are on accord. These military birds that they use, he had no way to address me. Um, Trump didn't know my address from anywhere when he was president. He didn't know how to get these tools and onto my property. Uh, Stanley had to give him my Wi-Fi hack. And he had to find the coordinations on the map to where to land these birds on my property. Right? So you don't have a way to address me as president. Uh, Trump had no way to address me as president. And neither does Biden, quite frankly. Right? You don't, you shouldn't even be here. You have no way to even know my address to put these things on my house. And so that's why they can't even bring me into a courthouse because they have no way to correspond to me and address me. 
you have no way to even know me, right? Unless your crimes come uh, manifested. And so you shouldn't have a way to address me. And um, obviously, um, you know, uh, you uh, address my mom's house and my sister's house too and put the email at her house. And in fact, he has even my extended family in California uh, rooted and tracked and hands it out to the market people to do analytics on. And it's like, I don't know how uh, corrupt this man is and how far he goes just to abuse people and just abuse people with mainly market share to get, you know, accolades from the market. But essentially, Joe Biden will do anything for uh, the market investors to give him accolade. And he ran his whole presidency to get their their uh, clap. It's like you abuse people, you abuse your power, you abuse your boundaries just to get investors. That's why Elon Musk can't can't get a protection order against him, can't get a, a police call against him, can't get anything. Why? Well, he likes the money coming in from him for his campaign. He doesn't even need to campaign. It's like Musk probably, you know, pays him on the table for, you know, he rigged up all these courts. And it's like, you know, uh... Anything for these marketers to track you and stalk you and abuse you and abuse power and, you know, uh, lie and spread error about why and how. And obviously you have no way to address all these people. You certainly don't have a way to address me. You don't have a way to address my mom or my sister. And uh, I I wanted to say too, not only are these on accord with these military birds, that means it's recorded, everything is filmed. And part of the reason why they got these was to drop a cord on you and trying to set you up. It was the longest entrapment ever. He didn't have any ground for it, but he was trying to like scheme his way through. And that's how he tried to drum up charges. You know, he'd do panty checks and drop a cord on you and be like, if your panties are wet, you're aroused for me. And tried to like, you know, set up false charges, thought he would seal it up and, and get money off of sealed uh, charges he'd drop on doing like uh, vagina checks and panty checks. And so eventually um, it became lucrative and he got a lot of money off of that. And, um, Obviously, it's not legal, but who's there to check legalities? And so, uh, with that, there's logs to these, and there are, um, you know, traces of all your Wi-Fi's being on, on my property. And you can go back to the DOJ, Merrick Girl, and seal them up every night, and trace the logs uh, to these and the inputs and outputs. And same with the cameras at Eastview when they all started watching me at Eastview Church and sexually harassing me there. Thousands, hundreds of people had logs. We're flying to London is what we called it in the preaching field. We're flying to London today. We're flying to London today because I was a volunteer in there probably, you know, five, six days a week. It was like a part-time job for me. And so uh, everyone came to like, you know, hear not only my teachings, but also to check it out. And so um, there's logs all over my bigger's cameras and Wi-Fi to log into his cameras. Well, when I wrote that letter to the mayor, uh, the FBI was called on him to uh, obviously search it out because it's very uh horrific what he's doing there so it was uh a saturday we knew that the fbi was coming they wouldn't come on a sunday he had until monday well god had warned him through me to uh take your logs from your cameras and put them in a zip folder and send them to john MacArthur. so mike baker hurried up and got all the logs from everyone coming to check me out on the camera with that east view and sent them in a zip folder to john MacArthur. and that's how john MacArthur got involved and so he uh, hoarded the logs to that. Now, if he was an honest man, he should have been somewhat honest in this and been like, yeah, uh, he didn't get caught in the FBI to go to prison for trafficking you out of there. 
He just got arrested for disorderly conduct. But he should have gone to prison. And I have all the logs. Instead, he lets this man kill me, set me up, entrap me, uh, rape my kids, murder my kids, kill my husband, and still remains lip tuck over the logs and what was going on in Eastview. And he is a preacher uh, with with a renowned uh, credential. And and he won't even talk about, yeah, that's bad, could have got this guy four years ago and saved this chick's life, saved her kids from getting molested and killed, saved her husband from getting killed. And I could have put him in a slammer. And he's so ungrateful. He still attempts to murder her and kill her and set her up day and night and, and mutilate her kids and uh, hustle her kids around. That's how ungrateful he is. Uh, and I got all the logs in a zip folder sent to me from the cameras that were going on there because it was a zoo in the church. And, uh, you know, House of Eli, we, we knew what you were doing. You didn't refrain anyone from, uh, you know, getting drunk in the church. But John MacArthur refuses to testify to their uh, wanton behavior in the church, their sexual immorality in the church, and their sexual harassment in the church. And uh, if he would have been an honest man in his endeavors, uh, me and my kids would not have gotten abused so bad, nor my husband, and you could have saved a life. But instead, they lied and schemed, covered it up, uh, lied about you and why they're here, invested in it, had great old time, uh, getting drunk and higher than a kite. So, yes, the logs still remain, and um, I think he put them on my roof now um, somewhere um, and hit them. I don't know if, like, Elon's trying to deny this, but, okay, there's logs then that tie to you that we can uh, subpoena in. And, obviously, the nature, my lawyer had told me before when I had a lawyer, before Trump called him and, and told him to invest in him, the nature of these crimes would warrant you to subpoena in the in motion for these logs they're too heinous of crimes for you to seal you can't seal these kind of crimes the nature of your murders your rapes your uh, abuse uh you need to discover them and unseal them because they're too criminal and too heinous for you to seal i mean if a judge uh, was aware of the law a good judge would do that and you know obviously if we had a, a real attorney around they would ask for that they're just too criminal too offensive, too heinous. You can't murder someone and steal it. Sorry, Joe Biden. I know you like to try, but you can't. You can't rape someone and steal it. Those aren't sealable, buddy. And so it's like, yeah, uh, these are all logged to you, Elon. And now, guys, he has his own server inside my abdomen, in my belly. He gave me a hysterectomy and took out half of my organs and ran a network server with uh, copper uh, and, and um, tin mining pieces infrastructure if you ever hear joe biden talk about his infrastructure he put them right inside my core right inside my 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 belly so he has his own server now inside me and i imagine inside my kid and just wants to stalk you for the rest of your life with a server inside your your core and anyone can log on his goal is to decentralize it and get it off of the government's hands so he can stalk you and molest you without the government knowing and make money off hustling you and that's our goal. And so Merrick Garland uh, runs the subway system. He hands out the robes you need to uh, experience this sexually. And he, uh, you know, if you want to do a little kid, supposedly he takes your ID and cards you to rape a little kid. I'm not sure what good that does, but uh, <laughs> supposedly it makes him feel responsible. And so uh, he seals these up every night. And we need to, that's why I keep calling the DOJ. I'm like, I don't know who's over this guy. The IOG of the DOJ, obviously, 
is too invested in to give a darn to do his job right and doesn't hold these guys accountable for anything. And it's like, Merrick Garland has been a part of this since I have journals written, uh, handwritten journals even, uh, from when these guys first started dropping these cords on me. He was always there. And I didn't know if he's not supposed to hang out with the president, but he was always with them. I think he was like his guard that went behind him and, and covered him, you know, and sealed everything up at night. Which I didn't really know, you know, what their jobs are and what they do and don't do, but he was just always around. He just always was hanging out with us. <laughs> and so it's like, yeah, he seals these up every night and we need to motion to get them and watch them and see where the logs are traced. So I keep getting on these guys every time. I'm like, it's not like this is fabricated, guys. You don't just make this up. This is recorded on a video. Get it. And these police go around and around with you. The FBI goes around and around with you. Secret Service goes around and around with you. I'm like, are you an idiot? I'm telling you how to do your job. Motion to discover for the videos of these. It's all recorded. And find out. That's all you got to do. And these guys won't let me get a lawyer. They won't let me uh, defend myself. They won't let me uh, motion for this. They won't let me get, get a fair trial. And it's absurd because the evidence is, is blatant on, on camera. And it's like, uh, including yours, Elon. And his goal is to decentralize it. And make his own uh, car service without uh, government having to be involved in the trafficking. Yeah. Um, no, the the, uh, the evidence of these haven't got deleted. We haven't even subpoenaed them in. And Elon Musk is not going to run the narrative on the news and the media. He thinks he, he bought Twitter and he's going to keep pushing uh, the news feed on my phone and on my um, hacked device and run the narrative for everything. It's like, no, sorry, buddy. Uh, we haven't officially subpoenaed in half of your violence that has gone on for a year. It wasn't a one-time event. I mean, you got it all in, uh, multiple, multiple holes throughout colon, my colon and intestines, uh, just for men to rape sex holes you made in my intestine to rape. You literally poked wound holes in my, um, organ in my intestine and you would dilate it to stimulate it to stay open because the wound was trying to close just so you can rape it and uh witnesses said online that uh he would even uh, jam it with like pencils or screwdrivers to keep the holes open from from not trying to close the wound just so he can rape it multiple multiple holes uh inflicted all over my intestine just so he can rape have rape pockets in, in holes that he, wounds he blew that's how sick this man is. Then, uh, you know, you also have this all in where you made everyone in the world who wanted to uh, experience me be able to uh, just be in me at all times. This is from world leaders to gas station workers, from little kids to grownups, you name it. They could just be in me at all times. And you came up with the formula for that. And then on top of that, uh, you know, you also... Um, have done this, uh, you know, all day, every day for for years, or you know, over a year now. So it's like, uh, no, it wasn't a one-time event. Essentially, it's been a consistent um, attack. So uh, it's not like a one-time video we just lost. <laughs> There's multiple, multiple, multiple ones. And to top it off, he even brought Elfie in here and had her sexually assault me. And not only did she sexually assault me, then she uh, entered me. They knocked me out. 96% uh, dead. 4% alive. She consumes my dead body. 
and then uh, he uh, rapes me with her inside me. It's almost uh, uh, too much for you to even think about how they even do that. I would still like to understand how this works, what kind of tools they have there. But, you know, when I wake up, I see the physical evidence of it. It's hard for me to deny because I have to live with the, the brutalities done to my body every day. And obviously, I have to live with the physical consequences that I see every day. Obviously, I have to live with, you know, um, the emotional consequences of what you have done. So, you know, I wish I could just pretend like, oh, this is not happening. I, I see it every day. And that's why I complain about my body all the time because I wake up and my body is completely deformed, completely misshaped, completely, um, you know, uh, rewired, completely restrung. Even my mind, he has... Uh, now try to eliminate most of my crown and wants to uh, essentially um, delete and give me dementia and make me paralyzed. He wants to paralyze my kids. He's just a violent man. I don't know why he made me his target, what he wants from me, why he gets off on brutalizing women. I don't know. I'm like, why, why am I your target? What do you want? Like, why are you terrorizing me? And it's just for money. He's just that greedy. I don't know what else it could be. I'm like, you're the world's richest man. Why are you targeting and terrorizing me? But he just wants money and power. I'm not sure why he would sit here and do this. It, it makes no sense. It's, it's, it's lunatic. It's unfortunate. It goes back to Joe Biden. He won't get out of my house. He won't leave me alone. He won't stop stalking me. And he won't get his grip off me. Why? Because he knows my ministry has power and the power of God behind it. And he knows uh, if he abuses me, uh, he can make a name for himself and his political career high. So he stops me from being in the church, wants to put me out from being in the church. He made up this whole thing like we have excommunication, like we have hierarchies and authorities. Like we don't have excommunication. We don't have hierarchies in church. We don't have chambers in our church. You made that up and set it up because you want to run your political career goals on kicking me out of the church and anyone that welcomes me, you hinder them too because you think you're powerful by abusing me. I'm like, get off me. You're a bigot. You're a, a racist and you are not over the church. And you've been running this for your own political high and handing it out internationally to get a name for yourself. It's like, get the heck away from me. I don't want you stalking me. You're not going to tell me if I'm going to be a Christian or not. You can't take that away from me. Stop abusing people. He robs you. He defrauds you. He lies about you. He spreads air about you. He hands out your privacy to people. And then he thinks that he's going to uh, sit back and play president and no one's going to indict him. It's like, get out of my house. Get away from me. You will have trial after trial after trial uh, as soon as your, you know, uh, run is over. And it's like your whole administration has been uh, abusive, negligent, violent, done the most heinous crimes we've ever seen in the history of a U.S. government. We've never seen such violence done where the attorney general is literally trafficking and abusing women and kids because he's hanging out with you. It's like, get out of my house. And uh, we know uh, wisdom and knowledge and were granted to me. I'll also give you riches, possession, and honor, such as none of the kings uh, before you and none after you will ever have. So Solomon came from the high place, Joe, as you lie and spread air, uh, from before the tent of the meeting to Jerusalem and reigned over all Israel. 
It's like you knew my kingdom came with power. God's kingdom came with power. And you knew the spirit was on me uh, as I was being persecuted by this church. And God was upholding my cause vigorously. Signs and wonders were done by thousands of witnesses had witnessed it uh, throughout. I had a great crowd following me. You wanted to get up off of it. You wanted uh, everyone to worship you in it. You wanted to lie about what it was and make it about you. So you can get political power off the crimes done to me. You knew I was being persecuted by the church. You knew criminal activity was being done to me. You uh, took it, uh, handed it out to more people uh, as the COVID. Mask up, guys. Mask up. Get your COVID shot. Get your COVID shot. Mask up. And wanted to get a footing over the criminal activity done to me, the social cause you made it to be for your political career. It's like, you have no right to be here. You're not over me. You're not over the church. You're not over any of this. You have done nothing but abuse your power to get more abuse of power. You uh, padded all these courts. You lied. You spread air. You hand out privacy to millions of people. And that you think that you should uh, extremely violate women and kids and not be held accountable. How are you a Christian? You are persecuting the first Christian in the evangelical church and you think you are a Christian? What is Christian about you? And, and, and if that, you give Catholics a bad name. How are you even a Catholic? And she conceived and bore a son, and he called his he called his name Er. She conceived again and bore a son, and she called his name Onan. Yet again, she bore a son and called his name Shelah. And Judah was in Kizib when she bore him. And Judah took a wife from Er, his firstborn, and her name was Tamar. But Er, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord put him to death. Then Judah said to Onan, Go into your brother's wife and perform your duty of a brother-in-law to her and raise up offspring for your brother. But Onan knew the offspring would not be his. So whenever he went to his brother's wife, he would waste his semen on the ground so as not to give offspring to his brother. And what he did was wicked in the sight of the Lord, so the Lord put him to death also. Then Judah said to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, Remain a widow in your father's house till Shelah has grown up. For he feared that he would die like his brothers. So Tamar went and remained in, the fa- in her father's house. In course of time, the wife of Judah, Shah's daughter, died. And when Judah was comforted, he went up to Timnah to his sheep shearers and his friend Hira, the Adulamite. And when Tamar was told, your father-in-law is going up to Timnah to shear sheep, she took off her widow's garment and covered herself with a veil, wrapping herself up and sat at the entrance of the inn of Enam. Tinnam, which is on the road to Timnah. For she said, saw that Shelah had grown up and she had not been given to him in marriage. And when Judah saw her, he thought she was a prostitute for she had covered her face. He turned to her on the roadside and said, Come late, let me come in to you. For he did not know she was his daughter-in-law. She said, That will give me, what will you give me that you may come in to me? He answered, I'll send you a young goat from the flock. And she said, if you give me a pledge until you send it. He said, what pledge shall I give you? She replied, your signet 
ring and your cord and your staff that is in your hand. So he gave them to her and went to her, into her, and she conceived by him. Then she arose and went away, and taking off her veil, she put on the garment of her widowhood. When Judah sent the young goat by his friend Adulamite to take back the pledge from the woman's hand, he did not find her. And he asked the man of the place, Where is the cult prostitute who was at Enam at the roadside? And they said, No cult prostitute has been here. So he returned to Judah and said, I have not found her. Also the man at that place said, No cult prostitute has been here. Judah replied, Let her keep the things as her own, or she'll be laughed at. You see, I sent this young goat, and you did not find her. About three months later, Judah was told, Tamar, your daughter-in-law has been immoral. Moreover, she's pregnant by immorality. And Judah said, Bring her out. Let her be burned. As she was being brought out, she sent word to her father-in-law, By the man to whom these belong, I am pregnant. And she said, Please identify whose these are, the signet and the cord and the staff. Then Judah identified them and said, She is more righteous than I, since I did not give her to my son Shelah, and he had did not he did not know her again. So you see, he wanted to light her up and burn her and accuse her of being pregnant by immorality, but little did he know she was pregnant by his rape. And he had to confess that, yes, she is more righteous than I am. So we see how, that's how the cookie crumbles. And guys, you know, this case is so horrific because, like, I don't get the script or the narrative to their uh, theatrics. So they're like, you know, uh, the court denies Jesse uh, Smollett's request to test conviction. I'm like, okay, well, who's Jesse Smollett? Is that me? Is that Stanley? Is that Trump? Who's that supposed to be? I'm like, I don't know who's supposed to be who. Am I this guy? Are you this guy? It's whatever Elon wants to write for the narrative. So guys, one thing we do know is not Elon Musk because he's the one that paid these courts off and he's the one that's running the news stories on these and all the social media and Twitter accounts, they're all spy bots of Elon Musk. It's like half of these lawyers on there aren't really real lawyers. They're Elon Musk. So, what do we do know that this guy is an Elon Musk? Because <laughs> he's going to be the hero of the day. And we all know Trump is going to get charged or going anywhere. Um, you know, they might charge him like it's me, but this man isn't really going to prison or really, you know, getting any time. Because he's going to pretend like it was me. So, we just see the scheme of events. But, nonetheless, I'm like, well, I don't know who is who. Is that you? Is that me? That's how screwed up these court cases are. And I'm like, well, I don't know, but I'm taking you to court and I'm suing you and Elon for all your abuse and the church at large for their abuse. So I don't know how Double Jeopardy is going to play, but prove it, right? So good luck. Anyways, I was just saying um, this company formed called One Us. God is with us, not with you. And essentially it was like, uh, you're not, uh, you don't have the Holy Spirit. You don't have God. Uh, he's with us. And so it was a whole company that was formed by all of them. And I have a, a few police reports actually on, um, the lines of these four or five guys on um, that, you know, Trump, Biden, uh, Mike Baker and Ian Stanley that formed and Mark Garland occasionally these that formed this company. And it was called us one. And that was their logo and their motto. And all the, the guys in the market actually, uh, would stamp that on their products. One, us. And it became like a cool club 
to be a part of like a secret underground club if you're in the president's club uh, called us one and that's what the investment club became and that's how it became such a popular investment because joe biden's name was attached to it as one you know like air force one and uh that was what it was the start of it and that happened after quote-unquote my imprisonment which i'm not really in prison but you know um my uh, letter to joe biden um, asking him to please check in to see why uh, trump has all these things at my house and where he got them from I think, it's Kyle, it, I think it's Joe and, and Trump and Elon, uh, extremely, um, you know, abusive in their air as they sit there and paint me as being like some kind of drunk or some kind of druggie. I'm like, you have no proof for your allegations. You have completely made that up. I'm like, I am 39 years old. I have, you know, preteens and I've been married for 16 years. I'm a established Christian. You knew the power of God was with me when you came into my house. We all seen signs and, and miracles, and you know, um, my my teachings of, of scripture are so profound. Joe Biden has to seal them because he doesn't want anyone to know that I'm uh, equipped and, and profound in, in scripture. And so he's been. I've been leading women's Bible studies for like, you know, twelve years, and it's like he's been sealing uh, the reality of what I am, and uh, trying to paint me out to be like some kind of drunk or some kind of druggie, just to subvert uh, testimony. And to paint me out to be like some kind of, you know, bad thing that he can kick out of the church so he can uh, execute me. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it's like, well, that's not founded. And it's not, uh, you know, aligned with um, the factual stuff that's actually happened throughout the course of this. And so I'm like, obviously, that's not true. And these guys lived with me for eight years, explaining what these priests are doing for eight years in my home, besides immorality, right? So I'm like, uh, no, you have set me up and smeared me to be some wild thing to cover up uh, that I'm a great Christian just so you can try and kick me out because you're a Catholic and you have like excommunication and in chambers and like rules in your church like that that we don't even have. You completely made them up. We don't have excommunicative things in our church. We don't have chambers in our church. We don't have uh, hierarchies in our church. And I keep telling my husband because he's doing this behind my husband's back. I'm like. He has some chamber here. Like, he's trying to, like, kick me out. My husband's like, what are you talking about? We don't have chambers. I'm like, and then, and then he keeps trying to tell me that I'm excommunicated. My husband's like, we don't even go to church to be excommunicated. And he thinks I'm nuts because Joe has completely flabbergasted this and spread air on me. And it's like, uh, I am 39 years old. I don't have time to sit here and drink and, and do drugs. Uh, you're watching me all day long. What do you think I do? I get drunk in front of you and do drugs in front of you? Like, how is that even possible? What are you doing, watching a drunk kid? And it's like, uh, you know, I don't know about y'all. Some people, like, you know, some of Derek's friends really struggle with alcohol and have, uh, you know, they, Friday night's bar night. That's just how what they do. And they don't think anything's wrong with it. Like, whatever. Uh, I'm, like, you know, too established in my my life. Too established and directed and focused in my mission and my ministry and my uh, purposes. I, you know... I uh, have a great platform that's worldwide, and I led many to Christ, and my focus and my drive has always been uh, for Christ. And it's like, I don't, you know, have time to get derailed on stupidity and worthless things of life. Like, I'm on the verge of death. I'm not going to waste my life uh, with stupidity and worthless things. I'm just too focused and too directed to uh, spend my time on mindless stuff. Like, I don't even watch TV because it's not worth my time. I don't have time to waste on mindlessness and it's like when you're 21 yeah i might have had a drink big deal (laughs) there's nothing wrong with having a drink 
but it's like I'm not here at 39 uh, getting drunk and in fact I don't even take a drink because I spend three hours in the gym is for me it's just not worth uh, the amount of input I put in my body in my gym time and what I do watch my what I eat throughout the week because I'm kind of a naturalist and eat you know food that God made naturally I'm not gonna taint that with a drink for what I'd rather be filled with the spirit I don't need you know I don't like the way it makes me feel and I don't need it I don't need that so it's just like a stupidity your lives don't make sense with my lifestyle like you mutilate my body every night and if one thing's off of my body I can tell and I know and I'm very you know uh cut and, and dedicated to um you know the input of my body and this health and obviously I'm not gonna sit there and uh get drunk or do drugs that's just stupidity if anyone that knows me uh would know that's not in accordance with my lifestyle and the nature of my whole being it's just not um my essence thinks that he should just be able to assault my brain go through files on my brain delete whatever he wants whenever he wants however he wants manipulate whatever he wants so he literally thinks i'm his computer ai uh program and he'll put in whatever he wants and then spit out whatever he wants and then he tells people look guys i'm god i have like a, a lie detector test here could watch this, fo- this footage it's like you smeared a compilation of whatever you want to compile to promote your cause idiot you are not god you don't know the mind you don't know the heart you don't search man who do you think you are you rapist adultering murderer and why are you still violating another man's wife with your uh tools and machines and uh all kinds of uh mechanics on her and uh inflicting wounds on her all night long trying to kill her are you that hard up for money are you just that racist like which one is it It's like, what? why would you come here and make me your target? What is your problem? And he's just a greedy racist that wants to uh, get power and compete with, with presidents. Like, he should uh, have a table here. I'm like, I'm not going to be your target because you think you should be uh, uh, racing with, with Donald Trump and Joe Biden because you think you're some, so, so special. Like, get out of my house. Get off my body. Why are you here? Don't touch me. Get your AI off my brain. Get your mechanical parts off my body. Get all your crap off my body. Your doomsday uh, TNT off my head. And don't touch me. And you know what, guys? Uh, he's still lighting my vagina on fire and still burning it uh, up. And still uh, sitting there trying to delete my crown now and uh, fuse his own uh, mental whatever inside me. It's like... I'm not going to be crafted by you. Help yourself. You are sick and you can't help yourself. Get out. The details of your vaginal um, pubic hair and and everything in between and uh, have no problems uh, harassing you and and talking about it all day long. These are presidents and preachers. Let me remind you, presidents and preachers, right? And uh, I don't know if you heard the police report I just read, but it was pretty detailed of... uh, how they set up this company and how the elder of Eastview, Chad Parker, uh, made the website to host uh, this content that you could go to and just read uh, sexual slander or, um, you know, air of uh, drugs or whatever he wanted to smear you with. And I have police reports on this um, to 
uh, scandalize you and blackmail you so the preacher and the president can get away with sexual assaults and murders and, and uh, living a high life raping a married man's wife all day long and uh, mutilating her body for their sexual fiascos. And uh, with that, uh, you know, your mom wants to try and steal the blessing from you and give it to Nessa because she's obviously been the favorite. And it's like, she's not even in the church or of the church or uh, even Christian. So she will deceive and lie about you and manipulate whatever uh, to try and steal a blessing from you and give it to Nessa, who's not even a Christian, never spent a minute of her day uh, learning Christ, which is just absurd. And I think we prove that now. So the main um, purpose and drive behind the investment project was... The cockroach infestation and the race, the anti-Muslim regime, essentially. And so, um, that is what people were investing in. That's the drug investment. That's what made it profitable. Um, besides, you know, one back in it, but that was a cause that everyone could unite to be against. Stop. Hi guys, Layla Cheek here, and thank you for joining me on another episode of Ample Cause, Our Justification, and this is my Hamlet Island uh, memoir series of my journaling of my experiences, and where I vow to tell nothing but the truth, as it's a documentary of my my life. And so I just wanted to kind of uh, talk about uh, some of the stuff that's going on. It seems like Joe Biden is trying to take charge of this, and I'm like, what are you taking charge of? There's nothing to take charge of. Of what? You sitting here lurking on me in my home? You watching me in my house with cameras? You watching me take showers and have intimacy with my spouse? What are you taking charge of, buddy? There's nothing to take charge of. Of what? And I'll tell you, uh, this preacher has crimes. Criminal, they all have crimes. Elon, Trump, you. And they don't want to recompass and compensate for anything they've done. They don't want me to take them to court. And essentially, they want to kill me and, and just pretend like nothing happened. So it's kind of like either A, you know, compensate for your damages and pay me uh, for what you've done. So, you know, there's justice. Or uh, go to court and have a judge mediate uh, what you've done or, or, you know, hopefully go to prison. Or, you know, you will sit here and be a fugitive worrying about it the rest of your life and you feel like you need to kill me because you don't want to uh, have to worry about going to court ever. And that's what we have is this uh, paranoid man who's done you so, so wrong. He's scared he might have to go to court and get legal, um, you know, restitution or punitive damages. And uh, he doesn't want to make anything right on his own. He wants to sit here and defraud me, steal from me, uh, lurk in my house for simpleness, and then kill me when he's done and execute me at the state or have a Muslim, you know, kill my whole family. And that's really what it boils down to. There's nothing to mediate. There's nothing to, I mean, there's nothing to uh, um, take charge of. Take charge of what? You have no right to be here. There's nothing for you to be here for. It's just simpleness and how can we sexually exploit someone to get money? And still kill, lie, destroy, and then that's it. I am part of the church. I want nothing to do with the church. We will never go back to church. There's no Christian academy, blah, blah, blah. Sorry, buddy. There's not. We don't want anything to do with the church. Ever. Never. The church has shown it, its true colors, shown its ugly face. It's shown that there's nothing good in the Western evangelical church whatsoever with you guys dominating it and monopolizing it. And when push comes to shove, not one Christian, one Christian 
And that's about it. Partly John MacArthur at, at, at times, but pretty much was a no-go. But uh, the only one was Russell Moore. And other than that, uh, Beth Moore testified for a piece, and then she got on the corruption bandwagon. But no Christian in the whole evangelical church could stand up for his right, for what is just, for sexual uh, predators, for uh, sexual violence and abuse against women, for sexual violence and abuse against kids. For uh, racial hate crimes in the church, no one stood up for it. No one. No one fought for it. No one wrote letters to Congress for it. No one wrote letters to the elders of the church for it. No one wrote letters to church boards for it. No one went to Stanley's elders for it. No one went to Eastview's elders for it. No one did a darn thing to fight against the sexual violence against women and kids, all bigotry aside. Not one. We will never have anything to do with this church, so help me, Jesus, if my, my life depends on it. And I will make sure my kids stay far away from this crony church in the Western uh, uh, Evangelicals because, and the Catholics. They're all, they're all the same. Uh, all the churches in the West, we will never have any part of it because you are obnoxious, odious, uh, violent, um, sexual predator that will uh kill i mean they all banded together to kill our family murder our family they all took an oath to uh murder our family this whole board is sitting here constantly every day looking for a way to kill my family and i we will never ever let this be the church and have any part of it so help me jesus i've never seen anything like it they would rather ban with donald trump and Joe Biden and, and swing uh, politics that have anything close to that mirrors Christianity or Christianity according to what the Bible says. And I've seen it in my f- Christian friends. I've seen it. In, that's why I have no friends. All my friends were Christian. And I've seen it in, in my family members that are Christian, in my in-laws and, and, and family that's Christian. And they would rather... Uh, get brainwashed by the heresy of the church and, and their uh, political agenda through Donald Trump and politics than have any sort of Christianity whatsoever. So we will not, we, we're, we're Christians, praise God. You can't take the Christian or the Holy Spirit out of us. We'll always praise Jesus and, and you know, glorify him. But it would not be to the glory of God if we attempted to go to anything of a church in this, in this country. It would be uh, to God's shame. In fact, and if we partook in anything that the church is uh, mirroring um, in, in the culture, we would, we, we would disgrace ourselves. I think it would be a dishonor to God to even go to such a church. It would be a disgrace to, to the, the purity of the Bible and the purity of the faith to even attempt to go to anything that tried to proclaim the, uh, you know, mirror a church. It would just be dishonoring in all fashions of it. So. No, thank you until this generation kills off and, you know, maybe God raises up another generation to um, do it right, to edify the church and, and to, you know, cleanse us right because, you know, hell's gate will not prevail. We know that. So until this, uh, you know, generation kills over, praise God, they're on the way out. Um, we won't have anything to do with them. You have uh, ran a, 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 a front uh, before God's face with how you did church, Ohio State Eli. And you flew your uh, odiousness uh, as a direct assault before God. And you had no care or concern over his church, over the stewardship of the church, over uh, the holy scriptures and the stewardship of it. And, and, and um, the high um, um, 
you know, uh, inerrancy of the of the Bible and, um, you know, making a scripture final say and not man. And what you've done was say, no, no, Joe Biden has final say. No, no, Andy Stanley has final say over how we should be in the church. No, 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 uh, Donald Trump has final say of what we should be in the church. And God says, no, no, my word is sufficient and my word is, um, you know, uh, supreme. And you uh, failed to acknowledge uh, the inerrancy of Scripture and the supremacy of Scripture alone. And, and you want to rely on man man's interpretation of it, man's uh, version of it, political versions of it, man's political lines through it. And you know what? We don't have time for cults. We don't have time for your cult practice. Uh, is scripture alone, grace alone, faith alone. We are reformed. We are evangelicals. I'm not sure what you're preaching over here, but we have no part of your cult, buddy. We don't need man to interpret what he wants scripture to say, man to interpret what Bible says, man to interpret how we should play church and, and not let anyone, uh, you know, search the scriptures to, to confirm it because we know what you say is heresy. It's heretic. There's no such thing as scripture of what you're pulling out to try and, um, dictate your politics on everyone. You're a Christian nationalist and you're, uh, swaying, uh, Trump, uh, politics and Joe Biden signing off on it. And Joe Biden uh, ran the smear of, oh, pro-Israel, pro-Israel, just so he can hide under the covers of upholding the church and, and write agendas. He thought, if I do pro-Israel, uh, the blues won't get mad. But essentially, you're hiding under the covers of your red politics and trying to get a, a swing vote any way you can. I guess I'm not going to say, oh, my brother, oh, my sister, you'll have a burial of a donkey uh, as a blue Democrat. These Christians aren't going to swing the other way, buddy. So, uh, we already heard his rhetoric there. So, no, sorry, we want no a Christian academy. We want nothing to do with your version of a cult, honey. You're a Waco, uh, David Koreshi, uh, Kool-Aid drinking cult, and you need to be shut down for what you're preaching, what you're selling, what you print on your pamphlet, because it's not lining up. No thanks. And I actually have a podcast, if you can catch them, because Joe sealed my podcast up because my Christianity is uh, stellar. And so, um, so um, um, I guess, uh, revealing and so um, advanced that I call it an age-old air in the church that's been spread over um, the Jews and, and Christianity and whatnot and God's plan. And Joe got so offended, he had to seal it up so no one heard as I corrected the air longstanding in the church. Uh, nonetheless, uh, if you can catch my podcast, it's called Ample Cause, Our Justification. And if you look for my Bible study, study series on there, Bible study with Layla, um, many times are on there every Sunday. And so um, uh, one of these uh, Bible studies, actually, I talked about, um, uh, not for what I was going to say, <laughs> but um, I talked about, oh, how do we know um, if a church is... Uh, preaching heresy or false teaching and how do we know besides you know like a Berean check the Bible and um, confirming everything in scripture well one thing we do know is that you know if you are uh, a spirit of the antichrist or a spirit of the devil or a spirit um, that is um, maybe you're preaching false teachings we know that uh, true teaching would glorify God and it would be uh, glorifying to God and it would be edifying and glorifying um, uh, the church. And so what he is saying, hey, there are certain people that aren't allowed in the church. So people can't get saved. That is not glorifying God. 
And that was simple test right there. Could tell that that does not glorify God. Any true teaching of the Bible, simple test, guys. Does this glorify God? Is this lifting God up? Is this making much of God? Is this uh, exalting God? And when something is not a simple test right there, we know that that's not, mm, I don't know. That that doesn't lift God up. That doesn't glorify God. That doesn't, um, you know, glorify his church. And we can tell right there that it's not um, building up and it's not edifying and it's not uh, glorifying to God. So um, obviously that's a, a quick test. We can always um, it line up and we can say, no, that would not be glorifying to God. I think we would know. Uh, well, does a genocide of a certain race glorify God? What if I don't like that race? It's like, no. Does God want, um, you know, uh, me to be happy? That's a question, right? Doesn't God want me to be happy? Should I, should I like, divorce my, my, my spouse and, and find a new one so I can be happy? Right? We get those questions all the time. But, but no, would that glorify God? And so, see, we, we're asking the wrong questions. Is it me I'm glorifying or the God? And so, you know, now obviously in a case of adulteries or, um, you know, if there's abuse and whatnot, God doesn't want you to um, be in a situation and get killed or, um, you know, stay with someone um, if there's a adultery going on. He says in that case you can't divorce. But um, obviously... That people were like, oh, I'm not happy. I'm not happy. I want my happiness. And God's like, well, you know what? Um, I'm not concerned about your happiness, right? You know, happiness comes and goes. And ultimately, you know, we want to say, hey, what is glorifying to God? And so um, this man and his rhetoric of uh, Muslim converts aren't allowed in the, in the faith. Muslims can't hear the good news. Muslims can't hear uh, about Jesus Christ. Muslims can't know about the resurrection. Uh, Muslims can't um, uh, read the Bible. Muslims can't, come, Muslims can't convert to Christianity. Uh, Muslims aren't supposed to hear about Jesus Christ is what he's saying. And you tell me, is that glorifying to God? Would that glorify God to say Muslims can't hear about Christ? And, and according to Stanley, uh, he thinks that that would glorify God. And I'm like, does that glorify you and your bigotries, your Christian nationalism, your uh, view of the world, your tainted, sinful, marred view of humanity? When uh, sin entered the world and God said, uh, you know, um, everyone's under a curse now, but don't worry, I'll send my son and he will save you. He'll save all people, right? Uh, he'll crush his, his head and, and the serpent will strike his heel. Um, did God say, but all except for, uh, you know, this, this one uh, lineage? And, and guys, we're not even talking about lineage here. We're talking about spiritual things. When I talk about uh, uh, descendants of Abraham had two kids. He had uh, Ishmael and Isaac. We're not saying all descendants from Ishmael are under a curse, but all descendants from Isaac aren't. They're all Abraham's seed. Well, if you're a descendant from Isaac, 
uh, chances are you are a Hebrew. Well, I wouldn't go that far. Uh, you are you are saying um, if you are descended from Isaac, uh, so Isaac then had um, Jacob and and Esau. And then Jacob uh, became Israel, and that's where the promise came from. And then Jacob had uh, 12 sons, right? And those became the 12 tribes of Israel. And that's when they uh, went to Egypt uh, during the famine. And they um, were forced to harsh labor for 400 years. And then God exodus them and brought them into the wilderness. And that's when they became a people. And that's when they became uh, the Hebrew people. And so, uh, essentially, um, these guys, you know, after Noah and the flood, because after um, there was a flood in there, uh, this was from the tribe of Eber. So, the Hebrew people came from Eber uh, tribe. So, you know, we got a lot going on here. But essentially, what what's the difference between these sons of Abraham? It was by the promise. By faith. You are the child of promise. Uh, because what happened? Abraham forced uh, Hagar, the handmaid, to have a kid with him because God promised this seed, right? And so it's like, hey, our handmaid, uh, Sarah's old, 80 years old. She's not having a baby. Have a baby with me so we can get God's promise going. And God said, no, no, I promised the son to you miraculously. By promise, by faith. And then Sarah finally conceived at like 90 years old when her body was as good as dead uh, and had uh, Isaac. That was a child of the promise. And then um, that's where the fight of uh, Islam and uh, Jew- Christianity is today. Uh, Islam says, well, he was the firstborn. He's the oldest. Uh, the promise went to him. And, and Christians, uh, a real Christian would say, well, no, no. It, the promise went to the, the secondborn because it was by faith, by, by the promise. It wasn't by the oldest son's inheritance. And so you see how his his hair his his lingo doesn't even line up. What he's trying to say here doesn't even make sense, because obviously it's not by ethnicity or, or lineage. Because you're not even a, a Jew, you're not Hebrew. It is by faith. It is by the promise. And and we can even go further and say, well, um, forget the Abrahamic covenant, uh, the Davidic covenant through David, right? was uh, King David was going to have this line of uh, Jesus Christ come from. The Davidic covenant is even more so Jewish than the Abrahamic covenant because uh, the, the Davidic covenant is essentially what um, this King David, this king uh, that got established uh, for the, the Jewish people and then um, to have um, this uh, King Jesus then come from that. So we can even say uh, the Davidic covenant goes further into it. Uh, of um, the Jewishness of it. But um, he doesn't know what he's talking about, what he's making claims about, assuredly. He just wants to pick a race battle and try to slap Christianity on it and try to slap uh, Christianity on a thing that's uh, Jewish and and, um, uh, Muslim as Christianity would be by the promise, by the faith. So what he's saying doesn't even make sense. It has no backing, no foundation, biblically speaking, because us Christians believe what? Uh, all uh, It was counted to Abraham uh, by faith. 
And then he got circumcised in the flesh, uh, you know, after uh, it was promised to him by faith. And that was even years later. And then what happened? We can even go to the Mosaic Covenant. And we say, well, 400 years after God promised this special Messiah's seed coming to Abraham, 400 years later, Moses came along with, with the law. So we say, uh, well, Moses came with the law 400 years later after Abraham. And the law was given to the Hebrew people. Now they were established as Hebrew people, right? And um, God revealed himself to them there and gave them this law. So we can say, well, you know, 400 years later, even after that, we got the law of Moses and the Mosaic Covenant. And ultimately, what do we know from these? Well, these were all one-sided covenants, right? You do this and, and uphold your side of the covenant. They weren't two-sided uh, covenants between uh, God and them. It was like, if you do this, you uphold the covenant. If you break it, you fail the covenant. And so you couldn't uphold the Mosaic Covenant. You failed it. God kept his end, right? And so we go back to the the Abrahamic covenant. And essentially, what did God say to Abraham? You take these animals, line them up in a row, flank them in half, and you walk down one side and I'll walk one down, down one side. And what does that mean? That's how they, they made an oath back in the day. That's how you did a contract. And that means uh, if I don't keep my side of this promise, I'll be as good as these dead animals flanked open on the side. Now you tell me, when God walked down and made that promise with, with Abraham, can, can God be flanked open on the side as good dead as these animals? That's how sure God's covenant was with him. He said, Abraham, uh, this is how, how sure I am of my, my, my oath I'm making with you right here, my promise with you, my covenant. If I don't uphold my end of this covenant, I'll be flanked open in half as good as dead as these animals. And so, uh, if you fail your end of, of, of the covenant, uh, that's okay. I still got to help keep mine. So that's the difference is God upholds his side of that, that covenant. You know, man fails, right? In, in this, uh, what's it, covenant, it was based on if you fail, uh, these curses come upon you. If you fail this, uh, you know, um, there's consequences, if you failed uh, these covenants, guys, um, you know, uh, you don't uh, enter his, his rest. You, you don't get righteousness, right? And so there are consequences to failing these um, Mosaic covenants. Whereas we go back to the covenant with Abraham and God. God's like, even if you fail your end of the covenant, I, I, I uphold my end. So there's, there's, you know, uh, two different covenants, a two-sided covenant and a one-sided covenant. And so we see how his his uh, appeal to uh, want to uh, persecute uh, Muslim converts, saying that you are a second-class Christian, you're a second-rate Christian, uh, you are under uh, us, it, it does not make sense here. Are trying to say that uh, you can't be Christian unless you become a Jew first. You gotta uh, uphold the Mosaic law first, and then and then convert to Christianity. Doesn't work here. In fact, we had the Jerusalem Council in Acts fifteen, and that was a problem when the first church had started. The Jews uh, had Gentiles start coming in. Gentiles were Greeks then at the time. And they're like, hey, do they gotta convert to Judaism first and then convert to Christianity? It was a big ordeal. 
And they had a big meeting about it and established it for all history and said, no, no, God uh, promised it to us by the promise. And he said, why are we putting a, a yoke and a burden on them that we can't even keep? We can't keep the law. We're going to put it on them to, to say, hey, you can't keep it either. Now come into Christ. Like we know God gave them the Holy Spirit just like he gave us. And we'll just write to them that don't mix and match pagan practices uh, with Christianity and, and some of your, you know, spiritual rituals and stuff. Like don't, you know, um, mix sexual things with this and, you know, have uh, string, eating blood, but strangled animals and, and whatnot. And so it was like, no, no, you don't have to convert to Judaism. Find out you can't uphold the Mosaic law. Have this burden of trying to attain righteousness by, a, by works righteousness and trying to attain it by your works. And then convert to Christianity. That was established in Acts 15. You, you, you're not required to, to be a Jew first and then convert to Christianity. And so this man has uh, made a mockery of the faith, made a mockery of the Bible, made a mockery of scripture. He made a, a jest of, of everything, his own life work. I mean, he has books on this and, and uh, Irresistible Church and all kinds of works on this article for Christian Post on this. And, and essentially is uh, shaving his head and, 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 you know, fasting on the table and pretending that he's super uh, legalistic here. To please the Judaizers of the old age. Uh, so they say that nothing of what they're hearing is true. Because look, I uphold the iota and, the, and uh, every, uh, you know, the law goes beyond the Ten Commandments, right? There's like uh, 600 uh, different um, variations to the law that these guys were required to uphold, right? And so that's why... Just like your your righteousness needs to exceed that. It's not just ten commandments. There's like six hundred different laws if you look that they had to uphold. And so, um, you know, Stanley over here is trying to uh, impress the Judaizers and pretend that no, no, I uphold the law. Look at me, uh, I'm shaving my head and I pull away from the table when Gentiles come in. I don't eat with them and trying to you know act like he's super legalistic. So no one knows about his sexual immoralities and his uh, political agendas and Christian nationalism. And his uh, sexual wantonness in the church. Fake it till you make it, right? And it must, you know, uh, win because he had some tips with these guys back in the day. His dad was um, a preacher and uh, one of the first to get the Christian radio going worldwide. They had ministries uh, on radio uh, worldwide back in the day. And, um, you know, known, known in the churches. He's a great man. And essentially... Uh, neglected some of his duties to his wife because I guess, you know, he's married to the job in the ministry. And what happened? Stanley's mom wanted to get a divorce. Now Stanley's mom got divorced from his, from his dad. He couldn't be a preacher anymore. And so Stanley was like, dad, she's going to ruin everything we worked for. And, uh, you know, we're going to lose our cash cow here. And, you know, you can't let her just divorce you because, uh, we got a big bank in this ministry. Not, you know, anything of God, but, hey, we might lose some money on our uh, empire we built. And, you know, uh, Charles Stanley uh, didn't know what to do. She wanted to leave. He, you know, obviously neglected to uh, pay her any attention uh, and was so devoted to his his money and his mystery. And so um, this became before the Philistines. So they had some bad blood from back then. It was the first case in, in this Baptist church where a preacher was going to have a divorce and could he still preach? 
And essentially, they worked it out where the wife would get a legal separation and just move into another house and not officially get a divorce. And they finagled it that way. And it wasn't, uh, he didn't have to lose his job and step down. But they have some bad blood from back in the day because Stanley's family was the first Baptist, he's a Baptist preacher, uh, to get a divorce. And want a divorce. And so Stanley has to prove himself super holy um, because of all this, because of, you know, their history. And he takes it out on me by slandering me and smearing me all day long. Uh, and trying it's like, Stanley, I would have, you know, not said anything. And I would have, um, you know, um, protected you. But you went to this Philistine and you went there to smear me. And you went there to set me up. And you went there to uh, smear my name uh, because of the stuff you've done to me. And then you took it so far and farther and farther and farther. You weren't repentant of watching me in the cameras at the church or any of your stuff that you have done uh, at all. You took it as far as you could to rape, exploitation, sexually trafficking, abusing, laying on fire, uh, washing, circumcising, cutting, burning my whole female parts down. You name it. It's like you didn't repent of a darn thing you've done. And you haven't repented yet. Now you think you're going to kill me with Joe Biden over here tooting your horn all the way. Saul, you know, when he went to go require, uh, acquire the medium, uh, of, of the witch of Endor, right? right the, the medium of Endor. Um, he seen um, a man. Um, it was Samuel that he had brought up. But he was wrapped in, in, a, in, in um, robes and... Um, he said, I see a God coming up out of the earth. What is his appearance? It's an old man. He's wrapped in a robe. It's an old man, and he's wrapped in a robe, and, and uh, his appearance was um, old, worn out, uh, haggard looking, uh, wrapped up like a mummy in a robe. And um, Saul's face fell to the ground, and he knew it was Samuel when uh, the witch hunt, <laughs> uh, when Endor uh, Medium had brought him up. And he said, uh, I'm in great distress. Uh, help me. The Philistines around me. And Samuel said, um, Why did you bring me up from the dead? said, God, turn from me and won't answer me anymore. So I had to inquire of you. And um, Samuel told him that you uh, more than you asked me, the Lord has turned from you and become your enemy. The Lord has done to you as you spoke by me. The Lord has turned the king out of your hand to go to, your, to David. Uh, well, the Lord has torn the kingdom away from you and given it to David. And he spoke to you and said that um, you uh, disobeyed the Lord and you didn't listen to his voice. And you didn't uh, heed to what he told you to do. And tomorrow, uh, you and Israel will be with me here. And um, you will...
um, you'll be in the hands of the Philistines, and you'll be with me here uh, in the realm of the dead. We can glean from this then that uh, I was made a target, um, a bullseye for these guys, uh, a target of the politics, a target of the church, a target of the nation, a target of the world, a target of my town, a target of the state of Illinois, a target of uh, the governors, the AGs, the DAs, the courts, the officials, the church, the politics, the two presidents. Uh, world leaders, countries. I am essentially the target of all. You'll be hated by all for my name's sake. Solely because I'm a Christian. And I will not denounce my uh, Christianity. And I am hated by all because of uh, being a Christian. That's it. They all wage war against me. They all want to kill me. They all want to fight against me. They want to kick me out of the church. They want to stop me from being a Christian. Joe Biden has waged a big, big war to not welcome me in the church. If anyone welcomes me, uh, he'll kick you out and throw them out. He has waged a big war to uh, not take on uh, my cause. And if you do, you will be uh, harassed. And I am hated by all for simply being a Christian. Uh, Biggest persecution case we've seen, especially in the evangelical church and in the West. So, uh, you know, if this doesn't get friends, Elon, um, my international um, followers, or any uh, anyone that's just listening in, if you uh, realize what is going on, eventually have time to think it over and meditate on these events and say, wow, that chick got lit on fire for three years straight by two presidents and the church uh, flanked open and raped to hell. The most rapes in the history of anyone being raped by anyone that wanted to rape it and uh, watched her kids uh, become uh, just dust before her like we've never seen um, and, you know, her whole family lose their lives uh, all for the sake of being a Christian. Surely, uh, that's powerful. Surely, that was real. Surely, uh, her allegiance to Christ was severe. Surely, her allegiance to Christ was uh, the real thing. Because I don't know anyone else today that would have allegiance to anything and endure that kind of abuse. So, you know... That is the most authentic Christian we have ever seen because no one would endure what she has endured for the name of any uh, religion, God, book, whatever. Unless they, uh, unless they meant it. And, you know, we've seen pictures of ISIS taking random Christian, you know, having them handcuffed and put on their, their videos of torturing and and, you know, these Christians wouldn't denounce their faith and, like, we're tortured. But, like, that, that was a week. Three, four, eight years in total for my wife I hack with my bigger. Eight years this man has tortured me, exposed me, uh, slandered me, uh, ridiculed me, harassed me, uh, deemed me not good enough of a Christian. As he nitpicked every area of my life as he watched me and then abused me verbally, abused me sexually, abused me physically, abused me emotionally, abused me uh, spiritually, abused me mentally. Any way they could all make you a target of abuse. They did. 
any creativity they could put on it. He did. So let it be known to you after you kill me, Elon, you have some time to think that this Christianity was the realest Christian you will ever meet. Amen. So we just want to add, you know, part of the sexual harassment also was um, investing in making me fat, making me big, making me wide, reshaping my body and my form. And it's not like I'm vain and like I haven't been pregnant or, you know, I haven't been, you know, changed my shape for my life. But the fact that this man did it to sexually harass me and to make me ugly after he raped me, after he lusted after me, after he had me, after he watched me for eight years in my window and then wanted to destroy the evidence, which is like the ugly thing that he wouldn't look at, was the heart of why he did it. And then he sits there and uh, acts like, no, no, look, she's nothing special. She's just a common thing. Because after he had eight years of watching me, like I was, you know, fine gold, then he destroys the evidence by just marring my body immediately. And look at this New York trial. And that's how wanton and wicked their sexual harassment is. And Elon keeps violating us. Uh, my husband, too, he's been down with a tummy ache all day long. I'm like, I don't know if he's really raping my, raping my husband in the butt or what. Or if it's like trying to kill him or what, you never know. This man's like a wild banshee. Banshee, and I'll just start attacking people. Like my kid, his gas smells like uh, chemicals. It's like, is he raping my kid in the butt now and cleaning him with uh, uranium like me? Like this kid's 10. How wicked are you? And who's giving him this this tool, the tools to do this? It's Joe Biden. This 80-year-old freaking creep that won't get the hell out of my house. And he has Elon Musk these things to do it. And it's like, you are going to get out of my house. You're not going to touch me and my kids anymore. Get the hell out, you tyrant. You're abusive and, and violent sexual predator like we've never seen in the history of America. You are gross. And get Elon Musk out of here and out of my family as well. I've never seen anything like it.